Week 9 and the playoff race is on. Four win teams looking to secure their spot. The LTC Championship is on the line. Plus, we talk some playoff projections and a few surprises along the way. There's a reason it's our longest episode ever. Let's go. Talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome into View from the West podcast, the podcast covering Illinois high school football on the western side of the state of Illinois. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong. Mitch is out of the loop this week. He's working. He's traveling. So we're bringing in some... (laughs) How do you take week nine of the high school football season off? (laughs) And that always gracious voice, Matt Randazzo... (laughs) And joined by Corey Tuffler from WQAD. Hello, boys. Welcome in. Let's hope Santa doesn't take off Christmas. You know. <laughs> this is, this I hope. Is, I hope Mitch. I hope Mitch is having an enjoyable vacation. I don't know. Yeah. Exactly. No, yeah. I'm kidding, Mitch. I'm kidding. <laughs> so, you guys will come in talk about Western Big Six, the track, the Lincoln Trail. Later in the episode, we'll bring in Kyle Campmeyer to talk NUIC and eight-man football. But this is it. We are in the home stretch here, week eight, heading into week nine. I read some interesting notes earlier. 69 teams enter week nine needing a victory to get to five. 16 of those teams play one another, and we have two of those matchups in our area. Princeville at Stark County, both are four and four. And Erie Prophetstown at Morrison, also a battle of four and fours. So no lack of excitement here in our area. Before we get any farther into week eight and week nine, I do want to preview ahead the playoff preview show. I'll be joining NUIC football on YouTube, be joining Kyle Campmeyer and a host of others live on YouTube Saturday, October 22nd. So next Saturday, when the pairings are announced in Illinois, We'll be live. We'll be breaking down the brackets. We'll be talking about eight man up to three a Kyle does a fantastic job of um, doing playoff projections. So every week for about the past four weeks, he's been giving a playoff projection at what they could be if certain trends hold and if teams win certain games and you know, all that. So he just, he has the knowledge and the insight of all the teams that we talk about. So he's just really great to bring in. So he'll be on later and we'll talk all about that stuff, but uh For right now, let's jump into week eight and looking ahead at week nine. We start in the Western Big Six. And Cuff, does Moline listen to this podcast? You know, Greg, (laughs) they they do. Uh, I tagged you. (laughs) Did you see that on Twitter? I I saw it. I tagged you. So, yeah, I was asking Christian Ray a question just about the game, and he brought up the fact that the media and View from the West podcast (laughs) did not think they were going to beat Sterling. And so, yeah, yeah, people actually uh, listen to this podcast, especially over what, at Moline. Well, well, that's not completely true because not no, everybody no, talking, here thought Sterling no, was going to. No, no, no. I'm just talking about from the last week. That's all I'm talking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, well, that's, I'm, that's I'm just, I've, been on Mo, I've been on Moline from the get-go, from the start, from the finish. There's one guy here who's been a Moline guy who had him picked from the get-go. I don't want to pat my own uh, back, but <laughs> – you, um, you might break yeah. your, you might break I mean, your arm doing that if you do that so. and that that the only thing that stacking have I have ever agreed on in our entire lives was that yes. was that Moline was going to win 
So, um, no, but hey, it was a heck of a, a football game and um, two really good football teams that should do really well in the postseason. Well, I said, and I, I won't back down from it. I, I, yes, I predicted Sterling to win the game. But if, if you go back and listen, my, my rationale was that was my team from months ago when we did our who is going to win the big six. So I figured I'll stay true to yeah. what I said. I you did think for months. I, I did think it was going to be a great football game. What was that? I said, you've doubted him for months. <laughs> I mean, you were doubting him from the start. No, I'm kidding. Here I'm we just go. Just kidding. No, I it's just like, it's, it's, it's picking between two really good football teams. Absolutely. And, it was. Yeah. And that's more and more. So the media and especially podcasts like yours need, they can't just get on here and say, yeah, I think it's going to be a really good game. And the team that scores the most points are going to win. I mean, people don't want to hear that. They want somebody to take a stand and make a prediction. That's what these podcasts should be like. And, and you guys do that. You guys do a great job of it. So yeah, well, yeah there's no reason to, yeah, I did. I jumped in and I made the wrong prediction. Moline gets yeah, the win. Happens. <laughs> hey, how about some stockpile gold here? Maroons have won 14 straight Western big six games. So there you go. There's a little nugget wow. of information that's for pretty, you. That's pretty impressive. I mean, considering the teams that are in the league and, and playing Sterling each of the last two years, Moline going up there last year and beating them pretty good. I think 38 to seven was the final up there last year and then winning at home this year. So 14 straight is pretty impressive. Since that, that, uh, what is it? Spring season, the Western big six spring season where they weren't, they weren't very good, but they were really young because coach Morrissey told us over and over again during that spring season, how young they were. So since that they've, they haven't lost a game since then, huh? Is that correct? Right. It's two straight back to back. Well, good for them. Yeah. So that, that leads them to, at the very least, a share of the Western Big Six crown. Like I said, if things play out this week, they they have the shot and the very good shot of winning the Western Big Six outright. They took control of this game early and, and really kind of established themselves up front. I think I was really impressed with their line play on both sides of the ball, really kind of controlled this matchup from the beginning. Who is there, who is there covering it for WQAD and who, what we... We had Brad Mosier there, so we just okay. kind of set up him from the get-go and had him there from the start. And yeah, I mean, obviously, recapping the game for the, the way the start of the game is the difference in the football game. Yeah, I mean that game wasn't won early on, but you ever, since after that it was you know punch counter punch punch counter punch. I mean it was really well played. Um, <clears throat> Moline had that first long drive of the game that kind of dictated you know how this game was going to be played. Really long uh, drive. Um, so seven over seven minutes scored a touchdown. And then, um, and you'll see in the highlights, the, the, they got up 14, nothing on a great deep ball. Um, Grant yep. simply put it perfectly in stride to chase Stevens. Who's continuing to get better and better. He was gone from that and you're 14, nothing. That's tough to overcome. Sterling tried the, throughout the entire game. Couldn't quite, quite get over the top. I think what really impressed me about that was that Moline scored two very different ways. One yeah. drive that really kind of ground grinds on you and they just continue to march downfield slowly but surely and punch it into the end zone. And I think that opening drive was deflating in itself, but then to get the ball back and immediately a big strike, I think it was a three-play drive and you hit the deep ball. And then that's even more demoralizing, I think, for Sterling. Now, credit to Sterling, they, they, they never quit. I said this in the Instant Reacts podcast too. It's, it's kind of a calling card of a Schlemmer-led team and this Golden Warrior program over the last few years. They're not going to go away in any game. They're always in the football game. 
not just not quite enough in this one. No, I completely agree. And, and you knew, even though Moline was up 14, nothing that they weren't going to go away. They were going to be close. They pulled within six. Moline got a couple late scores to, to seal the deal for him, but not surprised that John Schlemmer's team always comes to play and they're going to do that this week. And then into the playoffs, the same thing. Yeah. So it, it's funny. Cause the thing that I noticed was there's, well, I talked to both schools and both, both schools didn't love the refereeing. Um, but that beyond, and, and that means it was refereed correctly. And in my opinion, that means if either both teams aren't talking about it or if both teams don't like it, that means it was done correctly because both have something to, I don't know about complain about, but it wasn't, it was equal in, in my opinion. And so, uh, and we talked to uh, coach Morrissey, I'm not saying he came up and started complaining about the referees and all that kind of stuff, but we talked to him after the game on set of the, with the score. So um, I didn't think you can take that completely out of it. I think it was a well-officiated game and didn't have a bearing on an outcome, but um, you mentioned it, mentioned it, Greg. I think the reason these two teams are playing for Western big six championships and have been for the last couple of years is because of the line play. Their lines on offense and defense are, are on a different level than the other um, six teams in the conference and it's not even close really. And so that was what intrigued me is these two offensive line, defensive line, those two matchups between these two schools were so good. And it was good throughout the entire night. And usually they're dictating how games are played in the Western big six. And so it was really cool to kind of watch and see really two, two teams that have two strengths and that's their, their, their play up front go head to head. And I think that's going to bode well in the postseason for both schools because they do do a good job up front. And, and that, you know, they're not maybe the most explosive offenses when it comes to throwing the football and all that kind of stuff. But in the trenches, those two teams will go to work. They will battle all night. They, they come bring their lunch pail and then and, and go to work. And so that's kind of what you saw in this game. Both teams kind of dictating up front and, and just grinding it out and playing really good football. Yeah, I just it seemed like the very little space that Sterling would get, you know, trying to run, you know, trying through the run game, there wasn't, there wasn't a missed tackle you know, that they were closing that gap quickly and they were getting to the ball carrier either at the line of scrimmage or shortly thereafter. They, they really weren't allowing many big plays. Uh, one broken, it seemed like a broken busted coverage led to the first touchdown for Sterling, but um, you know, overall, yeah, I was really impressed with the line play. Sterling battled through this one. They kept it close. Uh, you know, we talked about the officiating. I think we have to talk about the play. Um, Aubrey Threet rolls over a defender. Uh, it was one of those plays where you see it a lot. And, you know, the defender, you know, is on the ground and he kind of rolls over top and then springs back up. He keeps going for 35 yards. I don't know. Did you guys see the play? Like it's, I it's tough. To see it. Yeah, I did see it, Greg. Um, and it's one of those things that if you were watching it in fast, regular speed, whatever, yep. you know, just regular speed. Yeah, the official is standing there right in front, and it's hard to tell if his butt hits the ground. I don't think his knee really hit because he braced himself with his arm, but you still play to the whistle. Yeah, there was no whistle blown, so don't stop. Even three got up and kind of stopped thinking he was down. And then nobody blew the whistle and they told him to go and he got 35 more. He got a few more yards out of it, obviously. But when they went back and showed the replay and that was off of golden warrior TV is where I saw it. Yeah. Um, yeah. He did hit the ground. He was down initially, but again, you always play to the whistle. 
whether or not that had a bearing on the final score or whatever, it's hard to say. Uh, Moline scored. They missed the PAT after that. So there was still a chance for Sterling at that point. I, I just, yeah, I look back and I, I saw it. And yeah, it, it's an unfortunate call because I think he was probably down. Um, and I think the calling card, like you pointed out, is that Threat himself kind of slowed up and stopped. Right. So that's kind of an indication to me that he thought he was down for that, at least that split second, you know, before he had time to think about it and react. Now, all that being said, on the broadcast, Matt Gingrich calls it out immediately, who's standing on, he's walking the sidelines as the sideline reporter immediately said, no whistle was blown. There was no whistle. Right. So he's right. You, you have to play to the whistle. And I, it's unfortunate that, yeah, you don't want to have to, make that assumption. You don't want to have to be put in a situation where you, you know, make that assumption or you don't, you have to play through it, but yeah, the whistle never blew. And I think no matter how hard you want to be on officials on either side, I think you guys would agree with me going back in the years you've covered high school football, there's maybe one, two games that you can say, man, that call really defined the game that changed the game. I struggle to think of hardly any games that I leave thinking that play was called and it changed the game. It changed the outcome. I don't think that was the case here and it rarely is the case. Right. Greg, you coach, you youth sports. Yep. How many times after a game do you tell a kid like, Hey, that, that was a, you know, that, that, that wasn't, yeah, you struck out, but there's also this kid did this, this kid did this, this kid. There's mistakes yep. made all over the place. And it's the same. Coaches say it in the same way with referees. I, I guarantee you, you go back and watch that entire game film and you can find another questionable call or 50-50 call, if you will, that you're not sure which way they go. And and I remember listening to the uh, Instant React, some of the Instant Reacts podcast um, on Saturday. And yeah, I'm so gun shy on getting after referees because guys, yeah. there's not enough of them. And yeah. they don't need sure. three more idiots sitting here, ripping them a new one. They're already getting it from fans. Unfortunately, they're already getting it from play-by-play people and, and radio people and that too. So they, and coaches are obviously doing it, which makes sense. That's their job, but they, they don't get paid enough and they're, they're, they're working their butts off. They really are. So um, yeah. So I, that you're exactly right. That, that one play. Yeah. It's a big play in the game and, and all that kind of stuff. I get that. If you're a Sterling fan listening. Um, yes, we get that. We understand um, but that's football. That's, that's sports in general. And you have to play the next play and, and all those kind of things as well. So yeah, um, and, yeah. And I mean, I don't want to harp on it too much because it was a really good football game. Yeah. In a 60 minute game, one call is not going to probably make or break a team. You can go back over that course of the game and how many third downs did they not, or third downs did they not convert that might've been short or whatever. There's always something that a team didn't do to win the game more so than a referee cost them a game. So Un- unless it's Jason Foy's crew, was it Jason Foy's crew? No. Okay. Then never mind. No, they're out, they, it was they a terrible out, call. Foy is a bum. All right. Just <laughs> check, I'll, just check in. And just, just to, you know, to say it out loud, I, I didn't bring this topic up because I wanted to right. hound the officials, but I also felt like yeah. it was one of those situations that we couldn't ignore they either because it was such a talking yeah. point. So you know, that's, that's where we're at. And look at this. We have a surprise wow. guest. Oh man. Mitch Stormer. He doesn't even know what time zone he's in right now, but you oh. know, 
he's working so hard and he just still he's so dedicated to the pod mitch welcome aboard my friend yeah uh, happy to be here hello boys how are you good Mitch. How's did, did you hear i was making fun of you is that why you showed up i could only yeah i could only assume that was what what was happening uh <laughs> the, the real reason i wanted to join is because you know i wanted to have a chance to repair my my name after getting just absolutely dunked on by the moline football team <laughs> um you know i last year i picked them in the preseason to win the league and I didn't get any praise for that but I make one prediction about Sterling winning and I get on you know they get on live tv and have their their shot at me so you know <laughs> it is what it is it is what it is hey at least they're listening right hey, great hey any pub is good pub so yeah happy right. happy that they're listening when I saw somebody coming onto the pod, I, I thought I was scared it was stocking. So Mitch <laughs> I have, I've never been more happy in my life to see you oh thank goodness I well, when I had told Greg that I I might not be on this week, I said this is your one and only chance to have a stocking episode, and uh, fortunately for everybody, uh, that didn't happen. So, <laughs> man, look at this. See, Mitch comes on because he wants to make sure Dazzo's not insulting him, and then he comes Which on, and now you guys all bag on stocking. <laughs> yeah. We already called out some stockpile gold here, the Mitch. The Maroons have yep. won 14 straight Western Big Six games. He had that on Twitter the other night. So yep. Well, Mitch, we just uh, went through yeah. we just went through Moline and Sterling, kind of broke that one all down. So that one's in the books. Moline at least has a share of the Western Big Six. They look in the driver's seat to win it all, win it outright, the Western Big Six crown. Let's keep moving down the list here. The other big game, Geneseo 36. To Rock Island 22. Dazzo, you were walking the sidelines on this one. Give me a little bit of the tale of this game. Yeah, you know, I got there and it was 7 nothing, And um, Rocky went right down and scored a touchdown. Gosh, I was thinking I was there for like four plays. And <clears throat> played really good on defense, got it back. And then they drove again. And they were they were getting ready to score again and, and, and got stopped. And um, there was some, I think some, I'm trying to think back. There were some frustrations with some just timing on plays. Again, I don't want to get into referees too much, but it was weird. It was was third and 11, and Rock Island um, got the stop on defense. So Geneseo had the football um, down 14-0. They got the stop on defense. And as the kid tackled the Geneseo player, something happened. Well, then the Geneseo player kind of like took a swing or – or, or I don't want to say punched, but kind of took a swing at the Rocky player and a flag flew. So you thought, okay, this is a personal foul and all that kind of stuff. Referees got together and they called it offsetting penalties. Okay. I know this is getting confusing. So it was third and 11 offsetting penalties. What happens? Play the down. If yeah. It's, if it's during, if it's during the play, then it's redo the down. So it was third 11 again. If it was after the play, they assess them after and it'd be fourth and three because that's where the ball came up short sure they made it third and three <laughs> and i thought i thought ben hammer was going to lose his mind they called timeout after timeout um tried to get things figured out anyways geneseo gets it they they go for it they get the first down they move on and then rock island had a great interception in the end zone and then they moved down the field didn't quite didn't score um and this is like the third time this year that i've watched rock island late in a half give up a touchdown. I'm not kidding with under like 20 seconds to go. And Geneseo scored with under 20 seconds to go 14, seven at the half. And I thought to myself, like, 
Rock Island dominated that first half while I was there and they were only up seven points. And it felt a little weird as I was leaving thinking they, they kind of left some stuff out there. They could have been up by more and that ends up turning out. I mean, listening to the rest of it and um, some, some big plays and some big stops by Geneseo and then turning that into touchdowns. And, and you look at it, I'm trying to think of the final score 36, 22. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, after, after being up 14, nothing rock Island scores eight points and and, and, and 36, 36 to eight. I think was what they were outscored. So hats off to Geneseo. I think that's kind of the frustrations from Rock Island, kind of in a nutshell, where they've played better throughout the year. I've been to a lot of their football games, and they played better, and they almost hurt themselves with with um, self-inflicted wounds and, and those kind of things and penalties and unforced errors and all that kind of stuff. And they left the stadium with their fourth loss of the season, and now they're in some – they have it stacked against them. Obviously they can go on the road and they can beat Quincy, but I mean, obviously Quincy took care of Alleman very easily, but I think everybody on here will agree that Quincy's playing some of the best football in the entire conference. When we talk about Sterling and Moline and how good those two teams are playing each other, Quincy gave Sterling everything they had, took them to overtime, almost won. And early in the year, they played Moline pretty well. So a tough task for Moline and a real, um, you know, Baxter against the wall kind of thing. And not only are they against the wall, but you got to go on the road to Quincy. We'll see what rock Island can do, but unfortunate for them, good news for Geneseo. They host Moline. Now they're in at five wins. So hats off to, uh, to um, Larry Johnson. And I think you guys mentioned on the um, instant reacts, because I knew it'd been a, a minute 2017 since Geneseo yeah. had been in the playoffs. Yep. I didn't, I knew it was a few years. If you would have said to me, Hey, how long has it been? I would have said, two maybe three yeah so to hear 2017 boy that got away from me a little bit because it was like 150 millions <laughs> in a <laughs> row that they'd been there so i was kind of surprised by that but yeah i mean all eyes were on rocky and stir or moline and sterling in the western big six and, and rightfully so but that was a really good game an intriguing game and had a lot of implications on where these two teams will will go in the postseason and if they'll go to the postseason so good football game I was really impressed with Geneseo's efforts to stop Rock Island. Rock Island was driving within about five yards of the end zone, and Geneseo comes up with a stop, a turnover on downs. They march back downfield. A.J. Weller, Jaden Weinzerl lead the way. I think Weinzerl ended up punching in the touchdown. And so just kind of that, the way that total team effort, right? You get the defensive stop, and then your offense is able to, you know, march downfield, make things happen, make the play. That was a big separator. That was a that was the I think the go ahead touchdown that really led to, led to the difference in this one. So, AJ Weller two touchdown passes, he also ran for a touchdown. He's played really well. He's been a spark for this Geneseo team and it just, you know, it feels good to know that Geneseo is going to be back playing on a Saturday again. That just that feels right. Yeah, what was it? They made like 55 in a row or something. And then 2017 yeah. was the first year they didn't have a winning record. And then obviously 2020, they don't play. Yep. 2021, there's no pre, there's no postseason. So yeah, for, to get them back in. And Larry Johnson said last year, this is a team that needs to grow up because they had a lot of sophomores playing last year. They've grown up a lot this year. Uh, they've got some big wins when they needed to. And obviously this win uh, at Rocky was one of those. Yep. 
few other games to talk about here in the Western Big Six. Galesburg gets the kind of shootout win here, 46-35 over United Township. Amari Richardson goes for four touchdown runs. So credit to the Silver Streaks. They get a late season Western Big Six victory. On Saturday, you had Quincy getting the big win over Alleman. A few thing, a few numbers that go through in this one. Brian Douglas, three touchdowns, 150 plus yards rushing, and some Quincy High School single season records being broken in this game. So season long records, sophomore Braden Little sets the Quincy single season passing record, now going 1,881 yards. Only a sophomore, so very impressive there. Yeah, he's going to rewrite the record books um, at that school. Yeah, yeah, absolutely he will. And a senior wide receiver that he's throwing to, Gregory Quince, sets the Quincy single-season receiving record now with 678 yards with one game left. So just a really dynamic offense, and they're fairly young. Quince is a senior I think Brian Douglas is also a senior, the name I'd read earlier, but they have other pieces coming back for this team. This is a team that fell one, two plays short of beating Sterling this year at home. Yeah. They're, they're right there in the mix. They're good. I was at that game on Saturday night. Saturday night. Uh, interesting fact about this game. First play of the game for Alleman. They throw a 70-yard touchdown pass. It's 7 nothing. 10 seconds into the game. They kick off. Quincy gets the ball. Their first play from scrimmage, 65-yard touchdown the other way. It's 7-7, 36 seconds into the game. Yeah. It well, was you got to love, it you gotta love cool. the, when you need highlights in a hurry. You got to love that, right? And then they go on. Quincy goes on to score 51 in the first quarter, Jeez. which has to be a big six record. I would think so. What's with this year? We saw Princeton do that, too, put up a ton of points in one quarter. I don't, I don't remember. A, like That was against a – Chip filler in Orion. Was it? Up, yeah, and you were there too, right? I was at that game too. It <laughs> it's you. They put up 35 in the first quarter. So okay. yeah, it must be me. Yeah. Well, I saw that Allman scored on the first play of the game and the last play of the game. Correct. So yeah. you don't see that a whole lot. So uh, anyway, let's look at the week nine slate. United Township at Sterling. Rock Island at Quincy. Allman at Galesburg. Moline at Geneseo. So... One of those matchups that's interesting to me, Moline and Geneseo, it's not for a playoff berth. Both teams are in the playoffs, but a really good tune-up for these teams. Can Geneseo kind of continue to grind, and can they give a game to Moline? I think that's a interesting one to look at. Moline's really going to hate me because that's how I lead into this game, right? Mitch, why don't you talk? They, they, they'll like yeah. you. Yeah let, yeah, let me take the reins on this one. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like you said, this is interesting. I think we talked about it on the instant reacts where, um, you know, the way that, that Geneseo played and came from behind against Rock Island, um, hosting, uh, I think, is, is a big key here too. a Moline team that I, I don't know that they're looking ahead, you know, per se, but maybe coming off a really high of a win in week eight. So could this be a trap game of sorts for the Maroons? Um I don't think so. I, I think they will win and, and win the conference crown outright. But um, I, like you said, it's interesting because Geneseo can put up a fight if they have if they have their passing attack with with Weller working. If they have uh, Jerron Neal um, on the rushing rushing attack, so um, yeah, this is on this is on notice. But I, I do think Moline will win. See, now you say that you think Moline's going to win, but nobody believes you anymore. They just think you're mm-hmm. trying to score points with them. You know. Yep. 
That's I, exactly what I'm doing. So there's no hiding that. I, I agree that Moline will win, Mitch, but I think this will be a game that Moline can use heading into the playoffs as far as seeing how good their defensive backs are, their safeties. They haven't been tested outside of the Quincy game as far as a passing attack all year. When you play 7A playoffs, you're going to see a lot of teams that like to throw the ball. Um, mm-hmm. They have some good DBs and, and safeties, um, but I think this will be a good primer for the playoffs to see how well they they handle that type of a passing attack because A.J. Weller is a pretty good quarterback. And I, I think if I'm remembering right, they they didn't let Braden Little do too much against them, right? He had a couple touchdowns. Uh, he had okay. one nice drive before the half uh, while I was there and threw a couple of nice balls, but he's a, he's probably the elite quarterback of the conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's well, going to get his, I think, regardless. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, he's going to, he's doing good. I think it's good that both those teams, Moline and, and Geneseo took care of business and got what they had to get done on week eight of the high school football season. You know, I don't think, I don't think anybody's beaten Moline in this conference. I don't think they were to, from, to, to start the season. And I don't think it's going to happen on Friday night, but Geneseo had a huge victory. And this is a really good football team coming to town. That's going to get them ready for what a playoff game will be because they're going to get a really good playoff game, team, whether they upset Moline or not in the first round of the playoffs. And I think that's get gets lost. I know that those guys over Moline are excited about a Western big six championship. I think the coaching staff, probably more excited about the fact that they're most likely going to be at home uh for the first round of the playoffs i think that was a bigger prize of beating sterling than a western big six championship and they would never admit to that they never said that but i think they really it's a big deal to be at home in the in the first round of the playoffs for them so um yeah and they kind of took all the the guesswork and excitement out of the game by both teams winning last week but obviously a big football game and it'll be fun and i think i think this is what you say on this podcast it's a good uniform matchup Right? <laughs> oh, it's a great oh it's a great uniform matchup right? it's terrific. Yeah, I, know. I just want to, i'm just trying to fit in so yeah <laughs> doing great you're doing great yeah I'm uh, trying. you know i'm trying <laughs> so speaking of you know playoff teams in the western big six quincy hosting rock island quincy's in like we talked about with rock island they're sitting at four and four they need this game man i would feel a little bit better about it if it was at Rock Island, if Quincy was having to come to you going on the road. It's, I mean, it, it sounds cliche. We talk about it all the time, but it is, it's, it's a tough road trip. That's a hard one to go down and get geared up and be ready to play, especially against a Quincy team that's this talented. Absolutely. Um, And you, you said they need to win to get in right now. Rock Island is the 31st team in class 6A, if the playoffs were to start right now at four and four. So there's an outside chance if they don't win. Ben, just hear me out. Ben Hammer, hear me out here. Um, you can ben, still ben get in the playoffs. Obviously, it's not the way you want to do it. You don't want to back in. You want to go down there. You want to get a win, which I think they can. They have the ability. They have the offense that could do it. But if they don't, there's still a chance that they could get in. They, they have the offense to do it. But the question becomes, do you have an answer for Braden Little and for that passing attack? I, yep. right. Yeah, it's that's the big be, question. That's going to be tough. And I, you don't want to be a negative Nelly or anything like that. But, yeah, they got to figure out how to stop one of the hottest teams in the Western Big Six, one of yep. the top hottest offenses in the Western Big Six. And it's a big game for Quincy, too. Can they win a conference championship? No. Are they already in the playoffs? Yes. But you're 7-2. and two, 
you can flirt with different things and your seating is going to be much better than if you were six and three. So a very important game for them as well. So senior night down there for, for Quincy. So yeah, tough trip. I'm, I'm assuming plenty of offense. Um, I, I really, and I'm not just saying this because he's listening and, and to kiss up or anything like that, but I think Ben Hammer's a good football coach, really good football coach. He's going to have his guys ready. He really is. Yep. Um, and they'll come up with a game plan. They got to get some stops. They got to get some turnovers. And if they can do that and hang around, make this a four quarter game, anything can happen in the fourth quarter. They, they can't get off the bus and have it be 14, nothing quickly. They need to start fast and, and stand that football game throughout the entire game. Cause it's going to be tough to outscore Quincy. If that makes any sense, you're going to have to do some things different in order to, and they got the guy that can do it to keep the ball away from Quincy. You know, they have Quantarian Brooks, who's one of the best running backs in the Western Big Six, one of the best running backs in the state. You keep grinding the football with him and, and pounding away. Maybe they can come home with a victory. And, and we'd love to see that because we want another team in our area um, into the playoffs at five wins and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Interesting. And, interesting. Good note that they could get in at four. I did not realize that. So, yeah, so, yeah they're, they're number 31 right now. Yeah. Out of 32. So, yep. uh, another thing with this, though, it all things aside, I've heard so many people over the last couple of weeks say, Ben's hammers in hot water. Stop that. He's a great coach. He he loves his players. He he does the best for his players. Just because he's not winning doesn't mean the team's not winning. So just dispel that. I don't think Ben's in hot water at all. He needs to stay at rock. There, there might not be a coach. I mean, there's some really good coaches in the Western Big Six too, but there might not be a coach more invested in his kids than Ben Hammer. And I'm not talking about football and what happens on Friday nights. I'm talking about life. Right. And, and moving on to the next level, especially, and not just moving on to the next level to play football, but moving on to the next level to be a student, to go to college, to, to, to not even go to college, just to in life in general. So um, yeah, he's a good dude who's had a lot of success and the Western big six is really hard right now with uh, some hot top heavy teams. So, I mean, he's grinding, they're doing a great job, but I will echo what Cuff said, stop the nonsense about it always, it's, it's always the grass is greener on the other side. And, and it's gotten down to the high school level, unfortunately. Usually you see that at the pro level, especially at the college level. But, but yeah, I'll echo what Cuff says. Stop it. Knock it off. Yeah, well, and even back to on the field, like they had to replace a lot of production from last year. You yeah. know, the Eli, Eli Reese, uh, Kai Rios, they had a lot of guys they had to replace. So to even be in a position to be in the playoffs, like, yeah, not, knock that conversation off, you know. So uh, it, it's really a, a credit to Coach Hammer, really, because they lost a lot of talent last year and then replaced it pretty well. And, and again, in a position to be back in the playoff, not a small feat. And, and they, that Rocky game two years ago with uh, Moline was a disaster. This year's game wasn't – I mean, it, it, yeah, the final score got away a little bit. But third quarter, that's a really good football game, late into the third quarter. So um, – He's done a, a decent job of fixing, you know, deficiencies in the team and, and defense and all that kind of stuff. Their defense is better than a year ago. So, yeah, um, let's keep the coach the way the coach is at Rock Island. That'd be silly. So. <laughs> One more game I want to touch on to the Western Big Six before we move on. This has not been the season that United Township had drawn up. I'm sure that the frustrations are very real in, in not in, not only in the locker room, but you know, everywhere. I'm sure people are frustrated. I get it. I understand. That being said, is this United Township team? Can they get up for a week nine matchup on the road and play a spoiler? I mean, I, you know, I, I realize that they don't necessarily have a lot to play for outside of this one game, but 
this is a team that has so much talent. And I just, this, I thought this UT Sterling game in week nine could have potentially been a game that was going to mess with who wins the Western big six when we did our preview of the season. And as it worked out that way for UT, but I don't know, can they, can they go on the road and play spoiler here? I think they can. Will they? I'm not sure. Yeah. Offensively, they've been able to score some points. Uh, their last four games, they probably averaged right around 30 points a game, which is yep. pretty good. Um, they're going to play a really tough Sterling defense. Uh, but offensively, yeah, they're talented. Uh, their problem is, can they stop anybody on the defensive side of the ball? And that's going to be tough because Sterling is really good with their two quarterbacks, with John Paul Schilling and Kale Ryan. And then, of course, you got Antonio Tablante, who can just take off and break one anytime he wants. Yeah, the defense at United Township worries me a little bit. I watched them against Rock Island, and it wasn't that Rock Island was scoring, but they were scoring untouched at some point. So that would concern me on that. Can they get up and play for and get ready for a game? If you've met Nick Welch and know anything about Nick Welch, he's going to have his dudes ready, and he's going to have them believing, and he had us believing, and he's he's a fiery, energetic coach that does that does a really good job in preparing his kids. Yeah, it's not the season that he wanted or expected. They're still young, though, too. They're junior dominated with a lot of things on that team. So they're, And it's amazing how quickly things can change in, in high school football and one year of experience. We're seeing it now with Geneseo struggling last year and now getting over the hump and winning games they didn't win last year. They're winning now at Rock Island Stadium against a good Rocky team because of experiences that they had last year most likely so yeah i will you know the one thing that i will say is that we one of the questions on the western big six preview was um who's going to be the team that makes the biggest jump and i think a lot of us said united township now i think a lot of us also would have said quincy if they were in the viewing area but that's neither here nor there but yeah he had me he had us all convinced and, and he was himself convinced so i think it's one of those things that i'm listening to the podcast all the time and you guys would you know kind of be like you know, this should be the week for United Township because I think we've all been kind of waiting for it to to click and happen and, and go and it just hasn't quite yet for them. Um, they're going to play their their butts off for for Coach Welch and that team. And and I'm still a huge proponent in what he's doing with that school. Remember, there's 127 kids out for football. Yeah. United Township High School. I think Moline's at 140. I think they're the only one more than them in the Western Big Six. And that's saying something. That's really cool. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big Nick Walsh fan, and I think he's doing good things there. I don't think they go to Sterling and, and, and knock off Sterling, but I don't think too many people do, and we'll see if they can do it. Yeah. What's uh, what's the uh, score open? Uh, is he in it? All yes. gas, no breaks, four yes. quarters. Yes. Dog yes. fight. Yes. <laughs> Dog fight. It, it is intense. It's intense. Yeah, I love a, it. I, I, you should do, and you can't because I mean, you could, but you should do a top like five. Do a, you should do a podcast on best mic'd up coaches. Ooh, yeah, I'd have to think about. I mean, I, a lot, a of, them lot of them back seen. in the day. Yeah. Oh, you're saying of like ones we've done or yeah, ones we've seen. Of when yeah. you, yeah, what we've done and what we've seen because Jake Mueller was really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mike Morrissey's good. Nick Welch was, is really good. I think it was, uh, Gary Denhart was the coach for mid County a few years ago. Yeah. He was yeah. just, he's my kind of guy. He was loud. You know, and, I like, and, and you know, who's, you know, who's don't the forget best about of all Guy time. Derrick's, guy Derrick's his shaved his head, shaved his head on, on TV. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, he's the goat when it comes to, to the mic ups and all that kind of stuff. So Schlemmer's yeah, given um, us some Nick pretty Walsh good ones. Good. He's in the, he's in yes. the open of the show. He's in yes. the open of this yes. show. So 
Yes, yeah. yes. So a lot of them in the Western Big Six. A lot of them in the Western Big Six. Yeah. So. All right, let's jump into the Three Rivers. We'll start with Rock Ridge. They get the big win, 42-14 over Kiwani. We had talked about the last two weeks. They started slow. They were down 14-0 in two games in a row. Not the case this week. 35-0, they led at halftime of this one. I've been really impressed with Connor Deem moving from wide receiver to quarterback in in stepping in for an injured Jacob Bain. He's through three first-half touchdown passes. That being said, I don't think he's played quarterback in, in a game setting ever. I don't think he's ever stepped in and been a quarterback. And to come in and make it look this easy, like, that's really impressive. In that game against Sherrard, what I saw in that one when he stepped in at halftime of that one is – he was able to lead, but it was more of like an option attack, right? Like he was going to run the ball or he was going to pitch off to somebody else. And they were really ground heavy in that one, which I th- was very effective. That really worked for him in that Sherrard game. But moving forward, it seems like with a little bit of practice and some reps, he's really become a quarterback, you know, throwing passes to Peyton Locke, throwing two to uh, Cam Bonzac, big scoring plays, 62 yards, 59, 31 36 45 so Rockridge is flipping a field quickly that's a great sign if you're the Rockets heading into the playoffs even with these injury you know concerns it really hasn't phased this team yeah they're ranked uh six right now in the state according to the last uh, AP poll seven and one five and one conference coming off a five and five a year last year um and New coach, which really isn't a new coach, and Sam Graves coming back to coach. Yep. Um, yeah, these guys have, have done everything they're, they're supposed to do this year. Uh, yeah, obviously they had that scare with Sherrard and, and bounced back nicely in week eight and got another win. Um, and if you go all the way back, uh, Matt and I have talked about it several times. Week one against Princeton, they gave Princeton the best game Princeton's played all year, the closest game Princeton's played all year. So they're obviously a good team. And regardless of injuries or not, they have the, the depth and the, the a team that can make a deep run in the playoffs, I think. Yeah, you look at their body of work and what they've done, their most impressive thing, and it's not really even close, is the only loss on their schedule. To, to yeah. hang with yeah. Princeton, to only lose by 19. They were, it was closer than that, I believe, at the half. That's the most impressive thing. They haven't had a, they haven't had a, a win that they've had, that, that's been less than, than two touchdowns except for if you want to count the one nothing win against Riverdale, which isn't a win, it's a forfeit and all that kind of stuff. But anytime they stepped on the field, they've beaten teams by two touchdowns. Um, I'm curious, obviously, Orion this week, um, Orion with a ton to play for, but um, I'm curious to see um, how they'll do in closer games. But with that being said, it's not like they haven't had any close games because obviously, as you guys have mentioned, they've spotted teams a couple touchdowns against both Morrison and against... Um, Oh, help me. Sherrard a few weeks ago. So yeah, it's, and they've kind of just flown under the radar. There's been more talked about more hyped Rockridge football teams recently than, than what this team was. I think coming into the year, people thought they were going to be okay. They're going to be good, but they weren't going to be the expectations of just even last year of what they could have done and what they were hoping to do at Rockridge. So I think they're fine with flying under the radar, not getting a lot of the love, not getting a lot of the hype. And, and they probably most likely might go into the postseason eight and one and have a home playoff game for sure. They're probably already at home, even if they lose on Saturday, right? 
Yeah, they're currently, let me look here. Or not Saturday, but for Friday. On Friday, yeah. They are currently in the Class 3A rankings. They are, I'm sorry, 2A rankings. They're ranked eighth right now, and they, uh, they've they won their side of the bracket, so they will, they will host the first-round game. Yeah, I mean, playing winners of seven straight right now, looking to close out with eight straight victories, they are the track West champions, the rock champions. I, I never know what we call these divisions anymore. Cause the IHSA, I get confused. It's rock. Yeah. It's rock. The IHSA says rock in Mississippi, but there was the big article a couple of years ago saying they changed the division alignments and they were going with East and West, but I, I that's never really been official on IHSA. So that's, I'm just going to go with what it always was. So anyway, Mitch, what was, say it, you? It, it was big rivers back in my day. So you know, <laughs> right. uh, uh-huh. it was nice. And, it was nice and simple back then. Now it's, it's convoluted. That's right. That's right. <laughs> just, just, like, well, and, just like the water, it's all muddy. It's right. <laughs> um, well, and even back to, to Rock Ridge, you know, last year as a playoff team of five and four, that was a team that took Tri-Valley to the wire. That a game that yeah. they could have won in the playoffs. So right. um yeah, a really a really good team here. That's that's playing really well. We've we've been we've been high on them. I think, um, probably since mid mid season, we thought that they could finish eight and one. So I do think they will get that win on Friday and uh, be positioned uh, really well in that two way bracket. All right, well, let's move into uh, some other results from week eight and talk about some week nine matchups. Princeton gets the big win, forty eight to nothing over nearby rival Bureau Valley. They led 21-0 in this one six minutes in. So as usual, they score early. They score often. They put these games away really quickly. Mitch, do you have the numbers in front of you? You want me to read through them for Tegan Davis? Yeah. Uh, it, it was early and often, as, as we always talk about with, with Princeton. But, yeah, Tegan Davis, um, 149 yards passing, four touchdowns. He added a rushing touchdown and, just for good measure, a 45-yard pick six. Um, and How I many see pick and sixes does he have this year? <laughs> That's a great question. I'm being serious. I've called at least at least. Four. I was going to say at least three, so yeah. Yeah, I thought at least three. Okay, I, I think we've called three or four. Yeah, so probably three. I'll just I'll, I'll err on the set of caution. But it seems like every time we get a – you know what it's like, Greg. We get a shot sheet, and it's like Tegan Davis touchdown pass, Tegan Davis touchdown run, <laughs> Tegan Davis picks it. Well, I mean, yeah. he also had the um, punt return in one of the highlights for a touchdown. Yeah. So he literally finds a way to score in four different ways, on special teams, on defense, um, running the football, and passing the football. Dude's awesome. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And uh, all that was on his birthday, I read. Uh, Kevin Hieronymus oh, out of uh, very nice. the Bureau County Republican. It was his birthday. So how about that? So not Kevin's birthday. It was Tegan's birthday. And Tegan, Kevin was yes. sporting oh. on it. Um, well, happy and birthday, the, Tegan, because obviously what he, 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 he listens, right? Oh, I think. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Well, if, uh, if Coach Ryan Pearson is listening, we got to give him – his congratulations. He becomes the all-time winningest head coach in Princeton Tiger history. Princeton's been playing football for a long time. Yeah, He steps yeah. in as the all-time winningest coach. By doing that, he also captures his fifth straight conference championship. So, I mean, I going back to when they hired him, it seemed like a great hire. It, that the program under Jesse Schneider had started to become a really good program. They became a playoff program. And they slipped a little bit. And then, man, when Ryan took over, they're right back. And they have not looked back since. This is a Princeton program that hasn't been this good for this long in a long time. 
Well, and when he came in, if I remember, he's the one that brought the fear of the stripes. Yep, and absolutely. brought that whole new moniker uh, and mentality to the team. And they've just kind of fed off that year after year. And every year they continue to make strides. Um, they're currently, if the playoffs were to start today, they would be the number one team in Class 3A uh, at 8-0 at this point. But with playoff points, they're one point ahead of uh, Prairie Central, February Prairie Central. So depending on how it all shakes out, they'll, they'll probably be the top seed in class three. A uh, a little look He's ahead. only been there for six years. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, Greg. He's only been there for like six years. Yeah. Like to that's... do what he's done and to get that record. And, and just the six years is, is pretty amazing. And we talked to him when we went up there for, um, we did some score on the road for the 11 o'clock show a few weeks ago, and then had him on the score um, after winning and he uh, against St. Beat, I think. And he's, he just, he, likes this team and i asked him i said is this one of your favorite teams and you know it's like you can't pick your favorite kid although mine is chase <laughs> but um you're not supposed to i guess allegedly so um but he uh he he didn't want to say that but he's like these guys are just so much fun to be around he's like they're really fun to be around they have a good time but when it's when the lights come on when it's time to go to work they get their work done he really just enjoys this team so it's cool to see and might be his might be his best team, one of his best teams, obviously that's a debate for another day. And I'm sure there's other Princeton teams that are listening to this probably saying, no, wait a minute, you know, 18 or all that is, was pretty good too. So, well, I think the, you know, the, the story is still unwritten for them. I mean, they, they yeah. have a chance to really, you know, etch their name, you know, in the history books, but um, uh, yeah, uh, Cuff, you referenced Princeton right now is projected to be the number one seed on the North bracket in class three, a, a little tease ahead, Kyle Kampmeyer joining us at the second half of the show. We'll go through and break down his playoff projections. And that 3A North bracket, there's, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. Anybody who wins in that bracket is earning it. And I think Princeton's very much one of those teams in the mix that makes it a really, really good bracket. So Yeah, just looking in Class 3, obviously you got Princeton up there. You're going to have Immaculate, Conce or Immac Elmhurst, uh, Icy Catholic. Yep. Uh, Tolono, no, I guess Tolono will be down south. Byron will be up there. Yep. Uh, Genoa Kingston. There's Stillman some, Valley. Nine and Valley. Yeah, they're going to be nine and zero. So just, they'll be the they'll probably be the top two seeds right there. Princeton and Stillman Valley. It's just it's names that you've heard for years and years. You know those perennial programs. So right. anyway, talk more about that in a little bit. But how about you know one of those perennial programs we talk about every year? Sterling Newman gets the win, thirty to twenty seven. This was a big matchup. Um, you know, must-win game for Newman. They come away for, I believe, the second week in a row, winning a really close matchup. They beat Hall, I think, on the last play of the game a few week or a week ago, right, Mitch? Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's right. And then to come away with this one against a Mendota team, high-powered Mendota team. So they moved to five and three now. This one back and forth, each team kind of scoring, you know, trading scores, really kind of that like thunder and lightning matchup, right? The ground the ground game of Newman against like kind of the more high powered quick strike of Mendota. It goes the way of Newman, JJ castle with a touchdown pass to AJ Batten, same connection you saw in the win over hall. So impressive win for Newman now sitting at five and three, making themselves playoff eligible. And, and credit to Mike LeMay. Uh, this team was three and three after six weeks. They've won their last two to become playoff eligible. They play Kiwani this week. So 
a chance to win three in a row. Uh, their only losses to this point are teams that are already in the playoffs with Rock Ridge, Peru St. Bede, and obviously Princeton. So Michael May has them playing uh, perfect blue machine football, if you will, at, at the right time. Yeah, and what I really – go ahead, Mitch. I think I think it's the second straight year that they started three and three and are going to end up in the playoffs. Yeah. I yeah, that right. sounds right. Yeah, going back to last year, I do remember that um, being the case. What really impresses me and I think could pay dividends come playoff time is they haven't just won two games in a row, but they've really had to battle and win two games near the end. You know, if you're really battle tested and the situation, the moment in the playoff time won't be too big for you, right? Like we've been here before. We've done this before. You kind of keep your nerves calm a little bit. I like that. If I'm, if I'm coach LeMay, I think that my team has been battle tested and going into that two, a bracket, you know, there's, there's potential there where, you know, the situation won't be too big for him. So. Yeah. You, you hear the cliche all the time that our, our playoffs started week seven or whatever, but that's, yeah. I mean, that's the case for Newman. Their playoffs started a few weeks ago. Some of these teams that have four wins that are going to start playing uh, or play this week to get that fifth win, their playoffs are starting now. I mean, that's just the way it is. And so they kind of get used to and accustomed to the big games and the back to the wall and, and you get confidence when you start making plays and making game winning plays late in games like Newman has. So yeah, I, I mean, it's Newman. Like who what was it when we were, uh, I think it was the uh, uh, Scott Weiss that said like, you know, I'm not, I mean, it's Newman, it's Newman and it's towards the end of the season. You know, that's a pretty good bet. That's a pretty good pick. If you're going to, if you're going to see the blue machine playing on a, on an October Friday night or on a Saturday in November, it's a, it's a pretty good deal. So, yep. Yep. Well, speaking of teams kind of turning their season around Monmouth Roseville gets the win 28 to six over Erie Prophetstown. They started this season two and three, and this is a team we had high hopes for, and they've now won three in a row. They're sitting at five and three. So they're headed back to the playoffs. Mitch, they didn't want to, I don't think they wanted to, we referenced it last week. You didn't want to leave it up to a week nine game against Princeton, obviously. So this was a huge game. This is a big win for them. Yeah. Like you, you said, we, we were high on Monmouth Roseville with the talent that they, they brought back this year. So it was good to see them uh, turn that around and, and bring that to fruition a little bit. Um, so yeah, I, I expect them to go into the playoffs at five and four. It's just a tough draw with Princeton the last week of the year, but uh, nonetheless, a great win. Um, now puts Erie in a predicament against Morrison, which we'll talk about in a minute as both of those teams will be four and four. That's a big matchup in week nine. So, uh, but for, for the Titans here, um, starting to play really well, never know what could happen in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, or, or week nine for that matter against Princeton. So, uh, but regardless, great turnaround here and, uh, we'll see them. We'll be talking about them for at least two more weeks. Well, you referenced Erie Prophetstown being four and four. The next team we're going to talk about, Orion, gets the big win over Sherrard, 53-7. They now sit at 4-4. Four and four. They have the must-win game against Rockridge in Week 9. So we'll talk about that in a second, but a big win for Orion. Another team with a big win, a non-conference win. Morrison gets the win, 56-7 over Leroy. Offensive line paving the way for 400 yards of total offense defense only allowing that one touchdown mitch you got some uh some morrison mustangs putting up some impressive numbers this week yeah um you know and I, i've said it all all season really that i've been impressed with morrison 
um, much better than they were last year and in years past. So um, a young team, only four seniors, um, was able to watch some of this game. They had it live streamed on Facebook. So uh, Danny Mao and Chase Newman uh, have a really nice connection going. Um, the, you know, they're, they're in sync. They're, they're timing their, their routes right. So um, I, I had said that I wasn't really impressed with Leroy prior to this game. Um, I don't, I don't want to take away from, from Morrison's win, but um, yeah, good to see them get the win here and be in at least a position to get a playoff win, which against Erie, I think that they could. Um, Jace Grunder there for the Panthers is, is a really good talent, good, really good running back. But the way Morrison's been playing all year, I think might give them the edge and my bias gives them the edge. So um, yeah, I, I like what Morrison's been doing and this was a good game. Yep. Well, uh, one more game to cover in the three rivers. Hall gets the win over St. Bede, 42-27. So St. Bede has now dropped two games in a row. They lost to Princeton, which maybe we kind of saw that one coming. But I give huge credit to Spring Valley Hall getting the big win in this one. A year ago, Hall was 1-8. and eight. And this year, they're now sitting a game away from a playoff berth, sitting with four wins. And Mitch, we've talked about him since the beginning of the season. How about Spring Valley Hall quarterback, Mac Resetich? Yeah. These numbers are uh, ridiculous. Yeah. Um, uh, another typical night for, for Resetich, right? Or, or yeah. day, uh, on, on Saturday afternoon, I think it was. It might have been a night. Either way. Uh, 104 yards passing. But he ran for 324. So uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's six touchdowns. So um, I'm glad you put the, the numbers in here because I was really interested to see what his, what his season numbers were. So now he's... Uh, almost at 1,900 yards on the ground and 25 yards rushing. So um, 25 touchdowns. Sorry, yeah, 25 touchdowns. I'm sorry. Um, yep. Yeah, one of the one of the tracks top talents who who again on he was good last year and, and Hall had a bad season. Um, so good to see him and the team getting a little bit more success uh, because he he deserves it as a talent who probably doesn't get talked about as much um, being a little bit further away. Um, and again, being on a team that wasn't as good last year. So, um, but he, he's, he puts on a show every single week. Yeah. He is making the potential player of the year debate really interesting in the three rivers. Cause yeah. I think Tegan Davis has been the front runner all year long, but man, I, I look at what percentage is doing week in and week out. I got to see the overall numbers when it's all said and done. I, it's interesting. Yeah. Can you can you can you actually have a player of the year in the in the three rivers not be Tegan Davis? I know, but the the numbers I are it. I, I get it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough. It's gonna be tough. I, I anyway, saw, so I saw Sedich play week one against Orion. He had a touchdown, a running a rushing touchdown, and a punt return for a touchdown. They yeah. they were up 12 nothing when I left, and that was all they scored. Orion then won yeah, the game. I, I, okay. A couple things to keep a couple things to keep in mind. One, it, it's it's somewhat hard to compare the two because Tegan Davis like probably only plays really for a half, right? Whereas yeah. Resetich has to play that well for his team to win. That's right. number one. Number two is if you took both of those players off of their respective teams, who has a worse record than they do now? Obviously, they probably would not be both as good as they are, but Princeton would have a better record than Hall would if those players weren't oh, uh, yeah. on their rosters. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. That's fair. That's what I'm saying. It's going to be a, it's going to be a debate. It's going to be tough. So who, with who the win, makes, like who's the voting for your, for your players, the, who does the voting? Is that just you and Mitch? Yeah. You're talking to him. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, it's not really a it's not really a vote it's like a dictatorship like, i'm just saying no i'm kidding Go ahead. It, should, it should be noted that i took Tegan tegan davis last year in uh, my first pick in the fantasy draft so uh if, if i had that if i had that pick again um again you're 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 dealing with a really good player who had he play had if he plays all four quarters every game, what would his numbers look like, right? They, they'd be outrageous. What if you what if you switch them? What if you switch to the two players and Tegan Davis played for Hall and 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 Resetich um, Resetich played for played for Princeton? Yeah, I mean, I think you're in a similar think, situation. Yeah, well, I th- also I think what happens would be if a Greg- seven and one team possibly? Maybe they don't win that first game against Rock Ridge. That'd be the only one. What if Greg votes for Tegan Davis and Mitch doesn't? <laughs> How do you guys break the tie? So we've had these. We had the debate. I can't remember. We've had debates in the past. Yeah. Come on. So not all. Not all marriages. Every, every marriage has a fight once in a while. So you know, me and Mitch are bound nah, to argue about it. Yeah. You, you see what happens? No, we, when we, both, no, we don't. When we both picked. We both picked Sterling. We got one fan base just all over us. So we have to have that balance. So only one of us gets the heat. <laughs> True. Very true. All right. I'm glad you guys got that decision and not me. I just picked my favorite kids. I can't pick between those two. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, come Wait, on. you got four kids, not two. My then that 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 favorite kid will switch by tomorrow morning. Trust me. It just yeah. it changes by the day. So yeah. So all right, well, let's jump into week nine then. Like we said, Spring Valley puts themselves in a great situation here, sitting at four wins. They have Bureau Valley this week. At home. So Spring Valley Hall hosting Bureau Valley. St. Bede goes on the road to Mendota. Newman is at Kiwani. Erie Prophetstown at Morrison's. That's a battle of four and four teams, both sitting at four and four, looking for that fifth win. You have Orion looking for win number five at Rock Ridge. Princeton goes on the road to Monmouth Roseville. And the non conference game to end the season, Ottawa Marquette travels to Sherrard. So my Crusaders coming into the Quad Cities area for a game against Sherrard. Duly noted, Greg. A former Three Rivers member, Ottawa Marquez. So it's not their first go around. Correct. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the, at the time, Sherrard wasn't in the Three Rivers. So they weren't right. The, yeah. Those two weren't playing each other. But besides, besides that matchup, let's go ahead, Cuff. What game stands out to you? It's got to be the Erie Prophetstown Morrison game. Both teams sit at four and four. The win gets them playoff eligible. Uh, Erie Prophetstown needs that win more than Morrison does because right now there's 37 teams listed uh, in the playoff outlook for class, uh, I believe it's class 2A. Yep. Um, and they are 37. So they need to win and possibly get some help. So five win, five and four may not even get them in. Just depends on what everybody else does. Morrison right now is the 31st team in class 1A, and there's a lot of four and four teams. So there's a potential for them to get in at four and five. So I think Erie Prophetstown needs that game more than Morrison does. But I've seen Erie Prophetstown play a couple of times this year. I've seen Morrison play once. I think Morrison has more, uh, has a little bit better offense and should probably come out on top in that game. Yeah. Dazzo, what yeah, game, what a- game you like? Um, I, I'll go out to Rock Ridge since I'm almost out there right now because <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. where I live. But um, um, that's an intriguing game for me because 
if I wasn't, I never count a coach filler led team out, but things didn't look good for more for Orion a few weeks ago. And <clears throat> they played better last week. I thought that would be a closer game um, between Sherrard, especially the way they played against Rock Ridge and Orion. So Orion impressive last week. They need this victory. Gosh, it's a road game. There's two schools don't like each other. And we mentioned everything about Rock Ridge. They can, they can wrap up eight straight victories. They can wrap up a guaranteed first round game at home. They can get a really good seed. There's a lot on the line for both teams in that game. I do want to point out and, and thank real quick. Uh, Logan Lee was our guest griller on the score this week, did a great yeah. job. And actually he called those highlights. I've got to put them on his Twitter, but it's funny. Cause he he's, and seeing any of them call highlights is kind of fun. So he, I think the first one was a long touchdown and he just kind of stopped. And I was like, Logan, you got now here's where you ad lib. And so I think he goes, oh. he's real fast or all that. <laughs> he, he did a fun job. But then he didn't know what the, he didn't know what the, um, what the score was. He was at the game. So he knew they, I think they, he knew they won, but I don't think he stayed the whole finish. Yeah. And I go, let's show us the final score. And he goes 53 to seven. Huh? Nothing's changed. that's how he he finished it off he goes nothing's changed so um, i thought that was fun so um yeah orion uh get a little mojo to him last week we'll see if they can head to on the road to rock ridge and a great rivalry game and somehow find their way into the playoffs i cuff you got stuff in front of you there's no way that like orion can 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 lose and still get in at four wins right there's a chance right now they're uh the 30th team and there's uh like like maybe seven or eight four and four teams so there is an outside chance. Uh, it's probably not likely looking at who some of these other four and four teams play. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they, they definitely need a win to, to make sure they get in. Yeah. Any, so that'd be mine. Any other game, Mitch, we haven't talked about that stands out, I think. Well, yeah, other than the, the two that have um, uh, bigger ramifications, I, I've been high on St. Beat all year, but I'm going to put them on upset notice here against Mendota. Um I think the way that Mendota has played and Anthony Childs and that, that offense, uh, the, the Bruin defense has been suspect the past couple of weeks. So um, I, I think the Trojans will finish the season strong and uh, get a win at home on Friday. How about that one? There you go. All right. Like my, 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 my feelings on the Bruins have turned very, very sharply. Uh, <laughs> and if they, if they go limping into the one, a playoffs, that's, that's not going to be an ideal situation. So, uh, on the other side, for St. Beat, it, it really is a, a, a game that they need to play well because they're gonna they're gonna find that gauntlet in the playoffs. Yeah, yep. Um, again, before we wrap up the Three Rivers, I think exciting for Spring Valley Hall if they can continue to get the job done. Obviously, you know this big win against St. Bede, you can't let that overshadow what you have to do in Week Nine. They still got to get the job done against the Bureau Valley team that I'm sure is hungry to play spoiler. But uh, either way, they put themselves in that situation after a one win season a year ago. And so uh, see if Matt Krasetich and uh, the Red Devils can do it one more week and find themselves in the playoffs. Let's get into the Lincoln trail conference here. Anawan Weathersfield gets the 32 24 win over Rova Williams field. So that will set up Anawan Weathersfield and Mercer County playing for everything next week. Mercer County got the 28 to nothing win over Stark County. So that's the big one. We'll talk about that in a minute. Anawan Weathersfield versus Mercer County, the Lincoln Trail Conference title on the line there. Stark County now in a must-win situation as they have Princeville next week. We'll skip ahead. Princeville got the win 50-7 to over Walther Christian. So there's two 4-4 four four teams going against each other in week nine. You also had 
Knoxville getting the win over A-Town 41-7. to Jackson Johnson, 117 yards and a touchdown. Oscar Young with 92 yards and a touchdown. And then the last game to cover, Rushville Industry beat United 50-16. to So that sets us up here in week nine. A-Town at United. Mercer County at Anawan Weathersfield. Knoxville versus Rova Williamsfield. And Princeville at Star County. The battle of four and four. And Mitch... You uh, called it a few weeks ago. You said that Princeville was going to find themselves at four wins. And that back then you said Princeville was going to come away with this win to move to uh, five. Yeah. I think they were two and three. And I said that they were going to win. They were going to make it to the playoffs. So I'm going to stick by that. Um, I, I think that will be a, a really good game. Um, Princeville hard to get a read on because they're just so far away. Yeah. Um, but again, they, they would come in um and wrap up a really good comeback story for the princes um i'll let the other guys take the other couple games here but really really intrigued by knoxville and rova too um uh, again talking about with the st bead if you're rova you don't want to go into the 1a playoffs kind of limping losing two straight so yep. um can they compete with knoxville i i don't know just because I've been impressed with Knoxville, but I think for Rova, you, you really want to play well there to, to not be a five and four in the one, a playoff. Uh, for the record, before we move on, uh, I said that Stark County is going to come away with this win, bounce back, get their fifth win. So me and Mitch, once again, do not agree. Yep. Gosh, you too. I'm worried about your relationship. I was arguing. Cuff, what are you seeing here? Uh, well, obviously the, the big one is, the Mercer County Animal and Weathersfield game, yep. but I mean, there's a, there's some good games here. There's some teams that need to win to get in the playoffs. Like Mitch was saying, even if Princeville wins, there's a chance they don't get in because oh wow they only have 30 playoff points and they're play they're one of the lower tier teams with the playoff points. So uh, that's concerning for Princeville, but uh, it, it, it concerns you guys on view from the West. It doesn't necessarily concern us at WQAD. So that'd be, that'd be for Jim Madsen and Peoria to worry about. That would be, but as far as that Alito Mercer County game, I've, Mercer County, uh, Kiwani Weathersfield game, it's obviously for the, uh, for the championship in the Lincoln trail winner. will get the, the buy or not the buy, but the first round playoff game at home. Uh, one thing of interesting to note for this game, I tried to have Mercer County on, uh, the score Sunday, uh, this past week, and they were not able to come up with some guys to come down. They had a former player get into a really bad car accident and had to be flighted down to OSF in Peoria, and a lot of the players went down there to see him. So maybe just a little extra incentive for Mercer County heading into this game, playing for one of their former players uh, as they go to play Anamon Weathersfield. Yeah, certainly, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers to Mercer County and everybody affected there. That's, you know, that's tough no matter when it happens, but for right. these guys to try to, you know, refocus on football is, is certainly a challenge there. But um, yeah, th this is, you know, outside of Knoxville, I think we thought that Knoxville, Mercer County and Anawan Weathersfield would be in the mix. And with Anawan Weathersfield coming away with the big win over Knoxville a few weeks ago, that sets this up right here, you know, so really intriguing matchup. I, I like what I've seen in Mercer County. I like what they've done. And, and Zeb Rashid has been just a dynamic playmaker for Anwan Weathersfield. You know, it's just a matter of which defense comes up with stops and 
where's that key turnover? You know, that that's, that's what wins games. And, and going back to way back to the beginning, what we said about Moline and Sterling, who can win up front? You know, I, I think that if um, Mercer County there, they get a nice bounce back win against Stark County. But the week before that, they were really banged up, you know, really beaten up against a Prairie, a good, very good Prairie central team. So they've been tested in the past, you know, weeks. So Will that show up in this one? That should be a great one. Who's covering that one, Dazzo? By the way, I'm now I'm kind of curious. Boy, that's a good. That's a good question. Is that a request? I'm just, I, you know, <laughs> I'm also curious to see the Morrison and uh, Erie Prophetstown game as well with two oh, four and four teams. So I, you know, I think we you can, can make talk. the swing hey, from you, uh, Erie Pro- from Prophetstown to weathersfield right isn't it just yeah, down the road yeah, we'll get the chap chap right out for you you'll be good you'll be in one and out the other it'll be great that game is that that game is at morrison so you wouldn't get a whole lot done in provincetown but well now we can't do it now now yeah. it's now it's not a swing it was when it was in provincetown but now it's just impossible going to morrison um no when you look at that game um and those teams have been tested. You look at their, their losses on the season and, you know, um, and on Weathersfield's only losses to a very good Ottawa Marquette team. And you look at um, who Mercer County's lost to a, a good game on the road at Knoxville. And then we know Prairie Central, really good football team, a bigger school, um, uh, battle tested, one of the best teams in the state. So, but besides that, you look at, um, the wins that Alito does have, you look at a Farmington victory still back in week one of the season, that's an impressive victory as well. So, um, both teams have been battle tested. Um, the thing I, that, that stands out to me in that game is one, it's an, it's, it's an Alito at George Pratt Memorial field. Um, I think that's an advantage. And I just, I've talked to some animal and Weathersfield people that are excited about this team. Um, gosh, when I was at the, and I should know his name. Um, when I was at the Rock Island game, Rock Island Geneseo, during all, I don't want to say it was during the, the referee controversy stuff, but there was a few timeouts late in that half. And the referee came over and he's like, hey, Matt, what's this, do you know what the score of the Anon Weather Show game is? <laughs> I was like, I can look because God knows stockings rocking and rolling. So he was, and I gave it to him. He's like, yeah, he's like, I'm from Anawan. He's like, I think they're, they're maybe a year away from being awesome, but they're, they're really good. And I think, I think you might be, I mean, I think they're really good, Yeah. but you're looking at young football players. I mean, it is what it, I mean, Dylan Horry, is he, is he only a junior? Junior. Yeah. And Rashid's yeah. a sophomore, and then, right? Sophomore. Yeah. Wow. Sophomore. So, I mean, obviously yeah. young players that, boy, the future looks extremely bright and the future this year looks extremely bright, but maybe that's a difference in this game and, and a coin flip and all that kind of stuff. You guys are the ones that get paid to make those 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 predictions and stuff so i don't know if i have to make one i think you were talking to jeff parson's son and i cannot think of his name off the top of my head but jeff parson might might be yeah he he's a referee so i'm guaranteed i pretty much sure mr parsons i think was his name mr parsons yes yeah Um, no so but but yeah so i mean i think it's gonna be a really good football game and maybe greg's there the whole time we don't know did you see did you see the stat line from last week or two weeks ago um Michael Sentney, the defensive back or the linebacker from Anawan Weathersfield had 24, 24 tackles, tackles. Yeah. In crazy. one game. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> no. And in the game, in the loss against Marquette, he had 22. Yeah. He's a stud. Wow. Yeah. L- so, linebacker. He's a stud. Yeah. 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 So, you know, they I always say like two- the best player on the field, you know, like where defensively, 
Right. If you look at him, like that's a huge advantage for Anwan Weathersfield right there. Yeah, I think when it comes to Lincoln Trail, I think because of the outside games, these two teams and even Knoxville to an extent have been tested the most going into the postseason. Because I think Knoxville's loss was to Macomb. No, who was Knoxville's other loss? Knoxville's, Knoxville's loss, loss to was Dupac. to Dupac. Yep. Yeah. So close I, think, game. I mean, you a look at playing, close game. Yeah, that game. You look at um, Prairie Central, which wasn't a close game, but still a tough game. You look at Farmington being played by Mercer County, and you look at the the, the teams. Uh, um, Animal Mother Show going to Ottawa Marquette. I mean, I think these teams have been one, the Lincoln trails prepared them well for the postseason, but I think stepping out of conference and taking a few lumps along the way may pay dividends in November that, that, that that's a good reason why they did what they did. Yeah. All right. Anything else, I, man, now I got to figure out where I'm going on Friday. This is uh hey man, you tell me this is, you're like the high price free agent that just comes in and dictates what he does it's like yes miss yes mr armstrong will have this ready for you yes mr armstrong yes only green m&ms we won't have any other m&ms than green you know those kind of things so i had to miss i wasn't able to be at wqad or shoot any football last week uh my wife was out of town so i was i was home which which it took until Thursday night for me to actually believe that <laughs> like, I didn't plan on Greg being there, but there's been other times this year that Greg's like, I'm out. I can't, I think it was week one. You're like, I'm out. And then yeah. like, come like Wednesday, you're like, I'm back in. So I still, I even texted him on Thursday and was like, so I'm still waiting for your, Hey, I'm in text. Like you normally do. So, but you're a good husband and a good, you're a good husband. Let's yeah. be honest. Friday night, you probably weren't a very good dad. <laughs> <laughs> I kept did them you, fed. Did you pay attention to your kids. I, I they were they were fed. They were entertained. Uh, I just hope they You're like still watching. Alive. I hope they like watching three high school football games all at the same time live streaming because that's what we were doing. What, so what small child doesn't? Let's Casey. What small Casey, child? Casey loves oldest, it. I'm sure yeah. he was really into it. I mean, Ben is. You know, he was able to point up and say the word football. So I assume that means he liked yeah. it. So you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, it was, you know, obviously like nothing beats being there, walking the sidelines and, you know, and shooting the game, but it was really cool when I could pull up three different games at one time and kind of have them going. Like it was, it was fun to kind of sit and be watching multiple games at the same time. And Mitch, I don't know how you do it, man. You, you, you kill it on Twitter. I can't keep up. It's, it's a, not, it's a lot of neglect. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of just ignoring what's going on in the house. So, uh, <laughs> And, and your and wife loves that. It, well, she loves well, it. it also, well, it also helps being an hour and a head. Yes. You know, because they're, yes. they're going to bed um, uh, around the time the game starts. So, yeah. So we all need out. to move to the Eastern time zone. I think <laughs> right. that's yeah, the so. world of the stories for all. Well, well let me, yeah, I was just, I was just looking at things. My, my tablet is in Eastern time. My phone is in Pacific time and you guys are in Central. So I literally have no idea what time it is. <laughs> I don't know. That's good. <laughs> no clue. That's a good, hey. That's a good thing. Um, and the truth be told with Greg is that, and we had talked about it, he was lined up just to set up shop at Browning Field on uh, Friday night. I and know. Just, and I just know. walk the sidelines, have a Tootsie Pop with Schlemmer. <laughs> edgy edgy Tim was there. Side. I could have met Edgy yeah, Tim. Yeah, Edgy Tim showed up, which is kind of cool. Yeah. We, we tried to get uh, – we, we tried to get uh, Coach Morsey on the instant reacts, but Greg was too busy with his kids and time didn't work. Timing didn't work out. He was already down eating yeah, he hamburgers with us. Right. It was it was before you guys had started, though, but I, we oh. were kind of still waiting on Greg to get done. Yeah. Like I said, I was, I you know, I had responsibilities. Sorry, guys. You know, 
he loves here. he loves that trip to WQAD. Oh yeah, because um, it means he won. He means he won. Yeah, not yeah, exactly. to see us. He could care less about us, but it means that he won, especially to to you know the guy who betrayed Moline earlier this year, Cuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and didn't pick his own mama mater. I mean, geez, yeah. <laughs> you're contractually obligated, Cuff. You know that. I do. I know. I all right. As he forgave me. So yeah, it's all good. They're- I'll see all of you and we'll talk Friday. We still have two more conferences to cover. So I'm going to jump into that. But thank you guys for joining us. And we'll uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Greg. All right. Well, as we transition into the Northwest Upstate Illini, of course, we welcome back into the fold here our small school expert from the Northwest Upstate Illini. <laughs> you put your hands up like you don't know. Come on, Kyle. You, you know, you could brag a little bit here. He's he's the man behind all the news and the notes and the updates and all the uh, the Twitter talk about the Northwest Upstate Illini. Kyle Kempmeyer, welcome back into the fold. And we're rejoined by Mitch Stormer. Mitch, this was yeah. supposed to be your week off, and here you are in two segments. I know. And I, you know, I still can't really get adjusted to the time here. So um, I might as well hop on here from, from beautiful California. Yeah. And, and Kyle, welcome back. We just talked to you a couple days ago. Here you are again. Yeah. It's great to be back. I definitely love listening into this show. So to uh, actually be on it tonight is, uh, is an honor. Yeah. Well, all right. Hey, we'll, we'll take that. We'll take that. And, and I'm see, I'm calling you expert because we're going to get into it here. You're going through and breaking down the projections for eight man all the way up through three A. So that that takes some knowledge and some know how to get these projections, and you're usually pretty accurate. So I'm giving you props, man. I'm 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 fully in. You're you're a small school expert in my book. So yeah, it takes a lot of time uh, studying what each of the teams do. You know, you take a look at a lot of historical facts on how teams generally progress obviously season to season things change and you get different teams that do pop up um you know in recent history one that really sticks out is 2015 Arcola you know um Lena Winslow was ranked number one in state that year uh got bounced in the second round by Orion and um Arcola just kind of took off from there and ran away with the state title over Stark County back then. And uh, they had a perfect season, great year for the riders. In fact, they, they scored the most points in IHSA history for class one, a that year sitting at seven fifteen, which is still a record. Well, we're going to, we're going to get to that in a minute. Cause I saw the notes you included here, Kyle. So that that's a tease ahead as we say in the podcast world. So let's get into the games from week eight. We start with Lena Winslow gets the 52 to six win over Stockton. So that makes Lena Winslow at least a partial NUIC champion. They'll at least claim half the crown depending on what happens in week nine, but they're certainly in the driver's seat to take back that NUIC crown, which eluded them a year ago. So another really solid effort, well-rounded effort from the Panthers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anytime you take a look at Lena Winslow, especially over the last decade, they have to be in your conversation as one of the top teams in Class 1A. And then you take a look at uh, everything that they can do um, collectively. And, you know, they just – this championship was their seventh conference title since 2010. Obviously, we already know that in that same time period – 
they've won five state titles and um, trying the gun for their sixth state title uh, this season. So, um, you know, I've, I've been on the message boards this week, uh, digging in, taking a look at what people are saying. And of course, there's a lot of people that are talking about success factor, which we've had that conversation in the past. But uh, when you take a look at the success factor, it only applies to private schools. And of course, there's people out there that saying that needs to apply to public schools as well. Otherwise, they just need to eliminate the rule altogether. Um, and what that what that's supposed to do is it's supposed to bump you up an additional class to help level out uh, the playing field, uh, kind of somewhat penalize you a little bit uh, as far as being a true dynasty. And of course, that conversation sparked up around Lena Winslow because of um, the amount of success they are having uh, as of recent. And, you know, if they do happen to win state this year, which they are heavy favorites, it'd be their third consecutive state title. And the last time that happened in class 1A was with Carthage back in 1998, 99, and 2000. So it's been a while since um, we've seen a, a three-peat in uh, class 1A. Yeah, well, this uh, this Panther team, you know, they, they at least so far this year, going back to last year's playoff run, they deserve the accolades. And the guy leading the way this year, Gunnar Lobdell, 159 yards, three touchdowns. But, you know, when you have Jake Zeal and, and Dunker running the ball as well, it's just they, they, they're just so versatile out of the backfield. And how about this for efficiency, Mitch? It's uh, Streckwald. What's quarterback's first name? Streckwald. Drew. Drew. Drew Streckwald, one for one, one passing touchdown. So there you go. Talk about the ultimate yeah. ultimate efficiency. Yeah, this is the efficiency we're, we're looking for. I've, if I had to guess, I would bet Drew has thrown like seven times this year and probably completed five, and four of them have been touchdowns. I um, think, yeah. Yep. It's, it's got to be something like that. On on the note on uh, on Labdell, you know, it, it seemed like it took a couple weeks, right, for him to be putting up the yards that we were used to. Um, and I was talking to some folks up in Lena this week and asking just kind of about that, about is it more that he was transitioning from eight man? Um, was it about just getting used to the Lena system? Um, and, and the response was it was a little bit of both. And, and you know, once he finally got comfortable, um, maybe felt like he had a little more weight on his shoulders than he needed to, or maybe that he was accustomed to, uh, that really set him free. And he's been uh, an emotional leader. Um, and obviously a physical leader for this team. And as we've seen, as, as I've said, probably the last five weeks or so, he's been their top rusher or, or close to it. So uh, good to see the, the success that he had last year at Orangeville turning over into 11 man. And uh, again, on, on both sides of the ball too, and just being yet another key asset for this team to make another uh, long playoff run. Yeah. Watched a little bit of this game on uh, NFHS, the live stream from the other night. And, you know, as always just really impressed with, just the push and the pressure that Lena Winslow gets up front. You know, they really, they just, they're a run first team that, you know, there's no surprise there, but those guys up front, I mean, it's, it's a well-oiled machine that, that whole offensive line, you know, the line, the quarterback running back, anybody you're talking about, they, they know what they're doing, play in, play out and they execute. There's the execution level at Lena Winslow is so high especially when you get to this point in the season where the, just the reps are, it's all the repetition, right? I mean, Kyle, th this program is so impressive and you referenced that one, a record, that scoring record 
Tell me a little bit about what you uh, the note you left in here about the points and the the street the the run we're on here. So going back to our colon in 2015, they scored 715 points, and that broke down to 51.1 points per game. Right now, Lena Winslow is averaging 53.5 points per game, which would put them on pace for right around 755 points for the season, um, which obviously would not only set a new class 1A record, but I'm pretty sure that would put them in the top two or three uh, in IHSA history as well. Wow. that's Yeah, that's pretty rarefied air there. And the NUIC record is currently held by the 2012 Stockton team, 686? That is correct. Okay. Um, the 2019 Lena Winslow team is two points behind that 2012 Stockton team. Wow, yeah. And hey, Mitch, did you see the note that we got on Twitter? That you'll have to be you'll have to be more specific. No, that's true. That's true. In terms of <laughs> Lena Winslow, they have 482 points right now. Princeton has scored 423 points at this moment. So the race is on. Who scores more points in the regular season? Um, who's Lena got this week? Uh, Lena Forest. has Forreston. Okay. And then and, Princeton uh, scrolling has... Scrolling back up, Princeton has Monmouth-Roseville. Hmm. That's tough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Princeton takes that. Just... Okay. I think that they, I think they will. I think Forreston will put up a fight. Um, whereas I believe Monmouth Roseville will too, but it, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's Princeton because then the, the counter argument is, well, it's Lena Winslow. Yeah, I, just, I, I just think that there have been so many good uh, battles between Lena and Forreston um, that that'll play out a little bit more than Princeton and Monmouth Roseville. So uh, could be wrong. I've been wronged before. I've been wrong recently. <laughs> um, but with, with only a five point gap, I'll, I'll, I'll predict that Princeton ends up taking it for, uh, for our area teams. All right. I, I like to go against you. So I'll say Lee win. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let's, let's move along to some other action. Then we'll preview the games coming up in week nine. Dakota gets the win 66 to nothing over West Carroll, the Indians back in the playoffs for the first time since 2018 and it looks like the NUIC will have five representatives in five representatives in the 11 man playoffs. So Kyle, just overall, we talked a little bit about it in the instant reacts podcast, but really good to see this Dakota team making their way back to the playoffs. Yeah, it is. I mean, we obviously we've talked about the excitement levels around the program from the start of the season, uh, the potential that we saw in the Indians to be able to get back, uh, to this level, um, as I stated uh, last week, you know, my prediction was for them to be five and four to make that uh, playoff appearance come back. And here they are right on the cusp of it. Of course, they got a big game this week with Fulton, which, you know, we'll talk about in a little bit. But, you know, um, five and four, potentially six and three. They're right there and uh, a great opportunity and, and a lot of good buzz for the Indians. Talk about the, uh, we had some uh, record-breaking performances in this game over West Carroll. I guess some season-long record being broken. Yeah, obviously, Doug uh, Dornick broke the single-season receptions record for the Indians, and then Adrian Ariano broke the single-season receiving yards record as well. So um, I haven't been able to break down all the stats to see specifically where they're at, 
Um, obviously, Dakota has long forever been a wing T type offensive team. Um, but needless to say, they have had some good passing seasons throughout the years. Um, so these records are, are good records for these guys to have. And uh, obviously, both Tug and Adrian have uh, deserved that with their accolades. Yeah, cool to see some, you know, records being broken in a, in a year that uh, Dakota's back on the rise. So we'll talk a little bit about their week nine and then their potential uh, playoff projection, playoff projected matchups as well. They have an interesting draw, potentially. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Let's get into the other game. Dupec gets the 35-6 to win over Galena. So Dupec win will, pro- will keep Galena from making the playoffs. So... Um, you know, another, uh, t- you know, tough season here for Galena. I think that they, you know, they fall short in the kind of that game that we said was the defining X factor game in Dakota. They fall a little bit short in this one as well. So, um, you know, but on the flip side, uh, you know, a, a good season for Dupec continues and it could be, you know, even more advantageous for them if they find themselves in class 2A, which it looks like they will, right, Kyle? Uh, right now, you know, the indicators show that Dupac should land in 2A, but right now, you know, that, that cut line uh, for 2A went up, so that puts Dupac right on the bubble. So they are, at this moment in my projection, they would be the last team in Class 2A at the moment. I went back and I looked through a couple things here uh, later this afternoon, or earlier this afternoon, I should say, and just to re-verify, because I was talking to coach Robertson down at Bismarck Henning again today. And uh, I just wanted to re-verify some things and I still have Dupac in as the last team in class two A. Okay. So they, yeah, I guess some shifting over this past week has kind of changed some things because a little while they were sitting pretty solidly two A, but there was some upsets along the way that may have changed that a little bit. So it's interesting. Kyle, tell me about Jalen Noud. Such a cool story. I saw a feature um, from Rockford TV that came down and did a story on him. Just a really great story. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jalen's one of those kids, always grew up playing in the Dupac Hornet program, loved football, um, came across some issues where he had a lot of pain. They weren't sure what it is. They later found out that it was chronic pancreatitis and you know, over the years, he was in and out of the hospital with different pains here and there. And then they determined that uh, in order for him to be relieved of it, they'd have to remove three different organs out of his body. Um, and through it all, the Nouds decided that um, if that's the way that Jalen wanted to go, then they would go through that and make that happen. And it, it is what they wanted to do. I remember um, the community fighting around uh, a lot of support for him. Um, it, it was a large struggle for him. There was days where, you know, you could probably imagine he probably wanted to just give up and other days where it felt more encouraging. Um, and, uh, you know, the fight that he had to get back to where he's at now, you know, there was a lot of people that doubted it would happen. Um, and you just never knew what the end results would be. But obviously he's got that fighter mentality and it shows in his play on the field as well so it's it's truly a very inspirational story on always fighting never giving up and uh you know continue to walk the path that you want to be on yeah really cool like i said just a great story um we tweet we retweeted it 
And uh, it was shared, I think, on, on your Twitter account as well and across several different channels. So just a great story. I, I would encourage anyone to go out and watch it. Really cool to hear from him, obviously, and then his parents kind of talking about everything they've been through and then to see him back on the field performing. I, I can't imagine just the pride they have. And you, you could really tell in the story. Really cool. So uh, a couple more games to cover from Saturday from last week. Forreston steps out of conference play. They get the big win, 40-12 to over Gibson City, Melvin Sibley. Cardinals took care of business in this one. They punched their eligibility, most likely entering the playoff field for the 12th consecutive year. So, you know, this hasn't necessarily been the dominating Forreston week in and week out that we've seen in past years. And But this game, this is a huge win for them, I think. And this is a really important road win. Well, you go back to, you know, looking at where I originally had forced and project that, and that was seven and two. Um, obviously, uh, getting the loss to Dupac was part of that. Losing to Dakota was the big part that kind of set Forrest and back. And as I've stated earlier this year, you know, it's kind of been Jekyll and Hyde for Forrest and I haven't actually been able to see them play. So I am, I am heading to Forrest and then this week um, to see how they do against Lena Winslow. But, uh, you know, yes, Forreston has been a staple as far as a 1A power for the last seven, eight seasons. Um, Deservedly so. They have a great program. You talk to people about this year's Cardinals program, and they'll tell you that despite their record, they're still a very disciplined team, which does not surprise me the least with the coaching staff that they have on hand and it starts with Keenan Janicki and works its way down. And, you know, a lot of that coaching staff are all uh, disciples of coach Denny Diddick. And I, you know, I, I bring that up a lot and it's because they, they grew up under that format. They, and, and they built that success to where it's at. And they definitely don't want to see that uh, go away either. So um, it, it is great to see Forreston in the playoffs. You know, even if they do come in and they lose to Lena Winslow here in week nine, five and four, Forreston is still a scary team to want to match up against. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting to note is that, uh, so this, I should, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but Forreston and Lena Winslow will have, you know, their, their rivalry matchup this week in week nine. Going back, obviously, to a year ago, that's when Forreston upset Lena Winslow at Lena Winslow. And I actually, I kind of forgotten that that game, that Forreston was on the road in that one. And then the more interesting note is that Forreston has only beaten Lena Winslow one time in Forreston. And that was back in 2016. So interesting that I, I kind of forgot last year's game was, was at Lena. Mitch, I'm sure you remember that game because you were texting me like crazy that night. Yeah, I, th- I think that was, I think last week we had, that was when we had to have the emergency uh, instant react we certainly did yeah. yeah yeah you were on the road somewhere and i, I think i was like we there were, and then there was other things that happened that night but it was like we we got to talk about this now so yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's so that should be a good one we'll talk about that one in a minute the other game to get to fulton gets the win 35 to 14 over eastland pearl city so that moves fulton to six and two on the season let's look at the matchups for week nine as we hit the home stretch here headed towards the playoffs as we mentioned, Lena Winslow on the road at Forreston. Dupec goes up against Stockton. West Carroll at Galena. Dakota plays Fulton. And Eastland Pearl City steps out of conference to play Chester. So 
I mean, obviously the marquee matchup, Kyle, that's where you're headed. Uh, Lena Winslow and Forreston, you know, we talked about it. It's not the same Forreston team as we had a year ago, but really when you really start looking at it, Forreston is two points away from beating Fulton in a game that maybe they should have won because Fulton really stormed back in that one. I think it was a 22 point deficit or whatever, whatever, 20, 20, 22 to three, they were down. Yep. 22 to three. So, I mean, that's maybe a game that Forreston gave away. They could have won. So if they win that one, this, this season may look a little different. Do they, do they have what it takes? Can they, can they get the win at home over Lena Winslow? It's a tall order. It is a tall order. Um, you know, one of the things that will play detriment in this game is both teams are run style teams. So Forreston to find success is going to have to come in. They're going to have to be able to play ball control. Um, they're going to have to execute defensively. You know, one of, one of the downfalls that they have is they're not quite as good as they have been in past years as, at, at shutting down the edge and, you know, with Lena Winslow, especially with Zeal and uh, uh, Lobdell, they want to get to the edge because they want to get their speedsters outside and down the sidelines, and then they're going to attack you with Dunker up the middle. And even he is showing the ability to power his way through, up the gut, off tackle, and then break away for a big run as well. So, um, you know, it, that's where Forreston's going to have to come in. They're going to have to control the ball, try to match the intensity from the start. If they come out flat, this game's going to be over by halftime. Yeah. And, I, you know, going back to last year's game, I remember talking to Coach Aaron after the season was over about that game. And he really felt like he, he gave credit to Forreston that they played a near perfect football game that day, that they they really executed in that one. And to your point, Forreston can't come out flat in this one. Lena Winslow's way too good. They're way too powerful. I'm interested to see how this one plays out. The other game that I think is interesting is it's Dakota and Fulton. Even though both teams are in the playoffs, this is a nice little 1A playoff preview type of matchup, right, Mitch? Yeah, that was that's really the game that I'm probably more focused on. Um, not that, that Lena and Forreston won't be um, important and maybe – you know, the most uh, competitive game, I, I guess. But I think, like you just said, two playoff teams. So now you're you're in a battle of positioning, right? So um, both teams coming in, or I'm sorry, um, Dakota's five and three, right? Uh, yes. yes. Yeah. So uh, again, in the 1A bracket, uh, being five and four isn't going to put you very, you know, in, in a very good spot. So, um, you know, if Dakota pulls off the win here and both teams enter six and three, I think, again, that makes it all that much more interesting. Um, if, if Dakota were to lose and they're sitting at five and four, again, they're going to get a much tougher draw. Might even see a rematch of a game that they've played this year um, or, or face, you know, uh, one of the top guys like a Colfax or, uh, or Athens or somebody like that. So, um, yeah, I, I think this is important. Again, uh, congrats to both teams on being playoff uh, eligible and, uh, and certainly going to get in. So now it's more about positioning and uh, if Dakota can get that final sixth win and uh, maybe get a, a higher seed. Yeah. Well, uh, looking around the rest of the matchups, Dupec has one more tune up before they hit the playoffs. They go play Stockton. They will, I believe they host Stockton 
Um, yes, so they will they will be at home in that one. So Stockton looking to play spoiler. Obviously, they're, they're sitting at three wins. They can't make the playoffs, but looking to play spoiler in that one to Dupec. But overall, in the Northwest Upstate Illini, like we referenced, Lena Winslow is in. They'll be a playoff team. Fulton is in with six wins. Dupec is in with six. Forreston and Dakota both have five wins. So that should be your five teams that'll be playoff teams in the NUIC. So uh, half of the half of the conference there making the playoffs, and that's a that's a good that's a good uh, group of teams there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you take a look at uh, the the teams that that you referenced and uh you know it, it basically is the status quo that we see on the nuic um lena winslow dupac forreston dakota and uh then now fulton obviously their second year in the nuic second year making the playoffs so um you know you get that mix in there and then you know you, you still you got a very good galena team that unfortunately is going to miss it but uh you know it it stays true to what it is. And uh, here we are with very iconic teams out of the NUIC also getting back into the playoffs as expected. Yep, absolutely. Well, uh, we will look at their potential matchups uh, in the postseason here at the end, but um, that will do it for our 11 man portion. Let's jump into the NUIC and the rest of eight man football We'll start with Milledgeville. They get the 66-14 to 14 win over River Ridge. Connor Nye throws five touchdown passes. He ran for a touchdown. But there's another name out there on the field that's a big impact player, Kyle. You're really high on this. Tell me about it. Man, when I saw Bryce Audi in warm-ups, I was just absolutely elated because obviously, um, you know, he's been out with an ankle injury that he needed surgery on. Um, there was a lot of conversation on whether he needed the surgery or not. Um, could he play without the surgery and whatnot? Anyway, the family decided that he would get the surgery. Preliminary results said that he would be out the whole season. So just seeing him on the field was like, oh, wow, he's dressed now. And then he comes out and he makes two big, huge touchdown catches for the missiles on top of it. Um and his playmaking ability and his speed just add a whole nother level to what Millersville can do offensively and just adds to their explosiveness, especially when you combine that with wideouts, Case and Johnson and Connor Johnson. And now you got Audie there. I mean, watch out because Millersville is going to look completely different as we start to hit the playoffs. That is, yeah, that's very exciting for the missiles moving into playoff time. Well, let's jump down the way here. Some other final scores from over the weekend. Polo gets the 64 to nothing win over Flanagan, Cornell, Woodland. Polo just sitting back and cruising under the radar since week one. That loss to Amboy and then a week four loss to Milledgeville. And I feel like, I keep saying it, but I just felt like, like I said, they kind of just slipped under the radar a little bit because they weren't that top, top team because they had a pair of losses. But their their resume is every bit as good as anyone else around the state in eight-man football. And the talent they have, man, it's the dynamic duo that we called out all of last year. They continue to get the job done, Mitch. Yeah, um, obviously the, the two names that 
we talked about last year, our, our back at it again, Brock Soltow, he's now over 1,500 yards and 23 touchdowns on the season. And then uh, Avery Grenoble, he's got 760 and 10 touchdowns. So, um, yeah, you know, it goes back to what we've, we've talked about all year in eight-man football, right? There's just this growing number of teams that are just so good and talented uh, that they play each other during the season. And we could be potentially seeing not only a rematch in the playoffs, but maybe different results. So um, the way Polo's been playing, um, yeah, I, I think that they, uh, again, they're the defending champs, right? So there's no reason to count them out. So I think that they, the way that they've been playing, um, I, I don't see any reason why they couldn't make another deep run here. Yep, absolutely. They are certainly on a roll and they're playing really good football at the right time. Um, let's go down the list here. Amboy gets the 42 to 14 win over Aquin. Moving around the state, West Central gets the 60 to 8 win over Galva. A few of the notes from this one Caden Drosty, five rushes, 81 yards, three touchdowns. Parker Meldrum, three rushes, 14 yards, and a touchdown. Carnes ran for four rushes for 85 yards and a touchdown. So just the, the, the guys that we, you know, here week in and week out continue to get the job done. Caden Drosty has his name in the mix for a potential player of the year in our area in eight man football. He has really been a difference maker for the heat. Yeah, he's been awesome. I mean, I got to watch him firsthand uh, against Milledgeville a couple weeks ago. And, you know, he put up, in my calculation, 368 yards in the first half, had five touchdowns in the first half. Obviously, you take a look at his season totals right now, 1,851 yards, 35 touchdowns. I mean, his ability to break away from teams is just unbelievable. Obviously, back to offensive lines, you know, West Central, when you take a look at they have a lot of size on that team. I mean, even – even Mason Carnes at quarterback. I mean, he stands probably 6'1", 6'2". He's got to be pushing 210, 215, maybe even 220 pounds. I mean, he's got a physical stature about him. And then you get him on what Kirby's got going on here is somewhat of an eight-man version of a triple option offense. You put him out in front, and then you got Drosty just trailing on the outside waiting to grab the pitch. And, I mean, that's just – it's unbelievable because it's one of those things where you know it's coming, but you can't stop it. And how do you stop it? Um, obviously, there are ways to do it, but you you have to anticipate and you got to be able to come up and attack. But that's the other problem is they're so good with it that, you know, Carnes could be faking that exact same option and he'll just stop and throw it over top to Isaiah Stephson for another score. So, I mean, it's they're they're the way that the Kirby draws it up is just unbelievable. And it makes the heat a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. I, I think they're one of the, you know, they're one of the favorites in, in class, in the eight man class right now, for sure. There's another couple teams that will be in the mix that actually play each other in week nine. We'll get to that in a second here. A few other results. South Beloit gets the 58-22 win over Orangeville. And Ashton Franklin Center gets the win over Peoria Heights, 58-18. This is a game that was postponed on Friday, made up on Saturday. And it's AFC coming away with the big win. They clinch a playoff spot. And this is a really good story. Good to see AFC, the Raiders, bounce back. They did not play in the COVID spring season. 
And they actually last year had to move to a JV schedule in the fall, but now numbers are up and they're healthy and, and they're back at it. The Raiders had not won a game since 2017. And now here they are in, in the playoffs. Kyle, this is a great story. It is an excellent story. I mean, I've been talking with uh, the athletic director at AFC, Tracy Gittleson, uh, quite a bit over the past couple of weeks as, um, you know, she's been conversing with me trying to get more recognition for AFC. And it's been kind of hard for us to cover them, especially because they're in the North one division where the rest of the NUIC teams are in the North two division. And I, and I explained that to her and I, I think she had a good understanding, but at the same time, she just wanted to make sure that uh, the, the Raiders were able to get some recognition. And uh, since then, you know, I've been in contact with her regularly to get the stats for the kids. And obviously they're led by Carson Roof, uh, who is their quarterback. He has over 1,500 yards passing. And if you take a look at his passing totals compared to the rest of the quarterbacks I have on my statistic list, he's the leading passer in the area too. So wow, um, yeah. obviously able to do a lot of things uh, efficiently and effectively. Um, you know, they, they have had somewhat of a, a weaker schedule to play against compared to some of our other teams that we do cover. But at the same time, I mean, yeah, you know, here they are, they're on verge of going six and three. And it's kind of funny because I talked to, talked to Tracy about it about two, three weeks ago. And I said, six and three looks like a good possibility. And uh, she said, we sure hope so. So um, obviously they're very excited with what they have going on. And, um, you know, to be able to get back to the playoffs, um, especially coming off of a year where you didn't field a team and you had to cancel all your varsity competition, you didn't play the COVID year. So you're, you, you basically have forfeited two years in a row and now you're back here and making some noise. It is awesome. It's a great story. Yep. Really cool. Well, that will lead us into the uh, week nine matchups. Uh, Ashton Franklin center will go on the road to Rockford Christian life on Thursday. Polo will be at Freeport Aquin St. Thomas Moore. This is a big matchup. St. Thomas Moore will be at Milledgeville. So Milledgeville's really run the gauntlet in their schedule, and they'll, they'll continue to do it in this one. St. Thomas Moore has been playing some really good football. We'll talk about them in a minute. But uh, Flanagan Cornell Woodland will be at Ridgewood on Saturday, and River Ridge will be at Orangeville. And the other big matchup from not necessarily our area, but around the state, how about Milford Cisna Park at Decatur Lutheran? 7-1 and one, Milford Cisna Park against an 8-0 Rockford or a Decatur Lutheran team. That's a huge one, Kyle, right before the playoffs start. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously the Bearcats were ranked number one at one point before they had that upset loss uh, that they took here, what, two weeks ago now? And LSA, on the other hand, they've just been uh, running away with everything. And, you know, it's kind of funny because you see two different style attacks. MCP kind of uses more of a... Uh, a, a wing T style offense, similar to what Polo does um, their defense. They play basically like a three, two defense and then three DBs, but their linebackers line up right off the outside edge of the D ends. Almost like they're playing a, a stacked three, two. And uh, it's an interesting concept, but they definitely are able to uh, seal off the edge very well against the run teams, which they had a lot of success 
in defeating Amboy with that. On the other hand, LSA kind of uses a uh, eight-man version of a wildcat cat offense with uh, late Miller at quarterback. And obviously, we've seen what he's been able to do so far this season with just shy of 2,400 yards rushing already with 35 touchdowns on the season. So um, this is definitely one of those games that uh, will be a measuring stick of what's to come once we break into the playoffs. Man, when you started texting me the numbers from Leighton Miller from uh, Decatur Lutheran, man, 35 touchdowns this season. This kid is doing some work. He is, man, it's impressive. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm trying to think what he just had this past week. Uh, Coach Hopman had uh, texted me. He had 11 carries for 367 yards and six touchdowns just this past week. <laughs> yeah. Make it, make it look easy. So yeah, that one, that one between those two Milford Cisna park and Decatur Lutheran, huge matchup, a big matchup in our area, St. Thomas Moore coming over to Milledgeville. So that's St. Thomas Moore at six and two Milledgeville at five and three. Kyle has, is St. Thomas Moore healthy now? Had they been banged up earlier in the season? Well, so I don't know if they were necessarily banged up, but I know that uh, there was an incident with one of their players having an altercation that got him removed from a game. Therefore he had to sit out the next game. Okay. And that was, that was peace Boomba who happens to be their, their, their stud player. He's a junior running back and uh, um, the younger brother of their running back from last year, Adonai Boomba. And uh, you know, since his return, they've definitely it, it definitely shows that peace needs to be part of the offense uh, for STM to have success. Um, and if they're not, if he's not, then they tend to find some issues because they don't have an alternate to go uh, complement their quarterback Matt DiLorenzo, who happens to be able to throw the ball down the field pretty well himself. So. Um, and, and, and he gets in on the rushing attack. So when, when you take one away, they become very one dimensional and then it makes them more vulnerable. So um, obviously that'll be a point of attack for Milledgeville is to at least focus on shutting Boomba down and trying to force De Lorenzo to beat you. And I think if they do that, they should see some success, but um, you know, St. Thomas Moore is definitely turning on late in the season and definitely looking like a, a turning into a player for the eight man playoffs as well. Yeah. I think heading into this one, you start looking at Milledgeville has been tested and, and you know, and their record shows five and three, but I think they've really been tested this year. Is this the game, the final tune up before the playoffs? Is this the game where they kind of pass that test? They have a big challenge coming to their place. I think if they can get this win, this is a big springboard into the playoffs. So I think this would be a very quality win for Milledgeville. So see if they can get the job done there. Yeah, definitely. Huge quality win if they get it done. Obviously, I have them projected to get it done. And, uh, um, you know, as stated, you know, the return of Bryce Audi is going to make them even more explosive in their offensive game planning as it is. So um, hopefully everything goes to plan here for the missiles and they get the win over St. Thomas Moore. But overall, you know, looking for an excellent game here. Yep. So uh, like we mentioned earlier, Polo will be at Freeport Aquin. So Aquin struggling a little bit this year at two and six Polo looking to get their seventh win before they head into the playoffs. 
and uh, Ridgewood will be hosting um, Flanagan Cornell Woodland. Like we mentioned, I should have said earlier, um, Cambridge got the or Ridgewood got the big win 44 to 14 in week eight over South Fork. So they're now sitting at seven and one on the year. This is a program that was 0 and nine a year ago in 11 man. So remarkable turnaround. Great job by Coach Elder out there. If they can, you know, get the job done in this one, move into the playoffs at eight and one. I know there's excitement surrounding that program to be in the postseason in, in the eight man ranks. So we'll see what, uh, see what they can do heading into the eight man playoffs. But Kyle, before we let you go, before we wrap this thing up, I kind of just want to pick your brain about the uh, playoff projections and what, what have you seen? I guess we'll kind of start in the eight man ranks and what do you see in eight man that stands out to you? And uh, for everybody listening, Kyle does his own projections for classes eight man through three a they're all retweeted on view from the West podcast, Twitter account, and you can find them also at NUIC football on Twitter as well. But uh, I guess let's go through each class real quick and kind of see the things that stand out to you. We'll start in eight man. Obviously in eight man, you know, the way that it's starting to shape up, we're going to definitely see the, the top eight teams truly get the top eight seeds. And if everything plays out as such, um, obviously, as we've discussed for probably the past two weeks now, we're going to look at a very excellent quarterfinal, semifinal, and state championship level of play uh, throughout the playoffs. So um, it's going to be a lot of uh, fun to watch. Obviously, this eight-man division, um, this is the second week in a row where we've had a lot of stability. Nothing has changed as far as how my projections look thus far. So, I mean, obviously – you know, we've stated some games that could throw a fork in that, but uh, if everything goes as expected, um, you know, we're, we're setting very well for some great matchups coming ahead of us here. So a lot of fun to see. Um, obviously grows the excitement of eight-man football too, because this would be awesome to watch it all unfold. Yeah. One of the matchups that stands out to me in your projections uh, St. Thomas Moore team we've referenced playing really well right now, depending on what they do against Milledgeville. Either way, they have a quality resume coming in. How about their matchup against Pawnee? Pawnee seems like a sneaky team as well. It's sitting at six and three. Well, that's just it. I mean, you take a look at both those teams and they've been consistently in our state rankings all season long. So um, obviously a top 10 matchup there in round one uh, just gives more um, allure to everything that we have eight man football, you know, 16 teams get in, there's only 27 teams playing eight man football. The chance of big games happening all the time is always there. So it just creates more excitement. And obviously you're going to see that there uh, in the first round with that first round matchup. But uh, you know, another one that I really uh, do like, and it's, it's the Polo Hiawatha game too, down at six and 11 seeds. Um, they played earlier this year as well. Polo won that game 44 to 32. So, and uh, I don't know if you paid much attention, but Hiawatha just took a loss to uh, central Iowa, uh, central city, Iowa. And I was taking a look at some of the things they had. And as far as eight man football goes, they're ranked 127th in the country in eight man football. And uh, I felt that Hiawatha gave them a very decent game. I mean, the score spread was similar to how Polo in Hiawatha played. So um, it's starting to speak 
dividends to how strong Illinois eight-man football is starting to come as uh, we start to see more of those matchups with those Iowa teams because Iowa's one of the best states when it comes to eight-man football, hands down. I mean, they got two divisions. I think they got like 65 schools in each division. So, it, I mean, they're, they're crazy about eight-man football over there. Yeah, and they're very well established. They've been doing it for quite a while. So, yeah, you're right. It's great to see Illinois really kind of keep progressing and kind of, you know, making a name for themselves as well. Let's get into the other classes real quick in 11-man football. Mitch, I don't know if you caught this projection yet. Did you see the uh, did you see the projected line for a Morrison Mustang team in the first round? Uh, I did not see that, as a matter of fact. Um, get out your get out your wooden shoes, Mitch, because it uh, it may be a wooden shoe rivalry renewed. Is that right? Okay. Um, yeah, that'd be that'd be a great matchup. Um, as you talked about uh, previously in the track recap. Um, in the Morrison game, I watched, I watched this, they had the, uh, the athletic boosters shout out to the Morrison athletic boosters for putting this on Facebook live. Um, they're playing really well. Um, the Danny Mao and Chase Newman connection was really clicking in that game against Leroy. So, um, I've, I've liked, I, I've always said I Morrison is a lot better than they were last year. They've been playing really well. Their losses have either been close, um, uh, or except with the exception of the Newman game. So, uh, yeah, obviously they still have to get in, um, but uh, as I think Kyle's projections showed, he expects them to beat Erie Profits down. I think the way that they played this week, I think that could hold true. So, yeah, if, if that happens, um, there would be not many settings better than a Morrison-Fulton playoff game. Yeah. Other ones that stand out to me, how about uh, the 8-9 matchups, St. Bede and Rova-Williams Field? That's an interesting one. The crossover between the track and the Lincoln Trail. What what did you see, Kyle, in uh... – in 1A as you've been going through weekly with the projections? Well, 1A over the course of the past uh, three weeks, again, the same 32 teams keep populating the projection field. So um, really right now, the only question mark really is uh, down in the southern half of the bracket with Madison is they have a uh, game this week um, with Trenton Westland, which they are um, almost a two touchdown favorite in that game. Uh, but Madison's one of those teams that they only played an eight game schedule this year. So their, their records four and three, they do have to win this game in order to get in. And, uh, you know, it's one of those games where if they don't win, it could, uh, definitely change how one a looks just a little bit. It won't be a big change, but we would definitely see a team like, uh, most likely uh, Shelbyville fall back into the 1A field, which would provide more depth to class 1A. But uh, overall, you know, not too many changes. Obviously there was a couple losses. Calhoun took a loss last week that kind of shook up some of the things down South up top though, in the North, you know, um, not a whole lot's changed. Uh, some of the things to really pay attention to are the 15 and 16 seeds and Chicago Richards and Chicago Corliss. While both those teams are favored uh, to win their games this week, um, Corliss plays Chicago South Shore and Richards has Chicago Ag Science. Um, you know, that game with Richards and Ag Science, both those teams are four and four. Ag Science is a 4A school. So um, obviously that would de definitely throw a little bit of a dagger into the 1A Northfield if they were to lose that game. And, you know, 
I was talking to Steve Susie this morning and he was giving me a little uh, joke about uh, Corliss and uh, Richards both making the playoffs. He goes, what's your, what's, what's going to happen if one of those teams loses? And I mean, that's the unpredictability patterns that we have when we're trying to look at the Chicago public league, because wow, things look good on paper. There's always something in that league that just blows it all up. So uh, week nine is always interesting, especially when you got the CPL, you got to keep a track of. Yeah. Let's jump into class two a here. And uh, you know, when I start looking down two a in the North bracket, Wilmington stands out to me. I, I just, you know, they're a defending state champion for a reason, right? That that's the team. That's where my head goes right away in this bracket. Yeah, I mean, obviously you can't ever overlook Wilmington. I mean, they've been a staple in the playoffs for many years. They've won uh, two state titles. Obviously, their most recent title was just uh, last year. But, uh, you know, I think this is like their 23rd or 24th, something like that, consecutive playoff appearance. So, obviously, they have a lot of history with them. Um, have a very unique uh, field. Uh, very intimidating place to play at their uh, place is the team enters out of the forest through a tunnel of Harley Davidson's. Uh, oh, under, I did see a picture of that on Twitter. Okay. Yeah, under a firework display show and everything <laughs> else. It's really cool for small school football, the way that they uh, do their pregame stuff. Um, and and, and it, it, it's one of those places that if you have a bucket list of small school football stadiums you have to go to theirs is definitely one of the top ones at the top of the list so um they stick out honestly i was asked this question uh, earlier today who else i thought stuck out and that was the number five seed at rockridge as well i mean yep. i know that they're banged up right now but uh obviously that one loss is only to princeton and provided they can get you know, more healthy than what they have been throughout the course of the season, which, um, you know, I know that they're struggling with some injuries at the moment, but if they can shore that up a little bit more head into the playoffs, they're definitely going to be a team to watch out for as well. Well, I mean, um, we say that, you know, they're, they're struggling with injuries, but they, they're not, they haven't really been struggling. They, they won the game huge like this past week with Connor Dean stepping in at quarterback and I don't think he's ever really played quarterback for a significant amount of time. And then he threw three touchdown passes. He looked, looked, looked like a natural back there. So um, yeah, that team is really interesting. And uh, I really want to, I hope your projections are right. And I hope that it holds, I want to see Dupec and Newman in round one. That's a cool yeah. matchup. You know, taking a look at uh, the projections and games that I would be looking at to go to in round one, there's always that scenario where I, I got to pick a good game to go to, and that's the one I keep eyeing myself. So I'm, I'm with you. I want to see Dupac Newman and Pacatonica, and if that does uh, hold, that's where I'll be on Saturday when we kick off. So definitely excited for yeah, sounds good. All right, let's get into 3A before we wrap this up. And man, I'm just going to throw out some names here. Princeton, Reed Custer, IC Catholic, Prairie Central, Stillman Valley, Byron. Holy cow, there is some really good football in Class 3A. 
Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, we've been talking for uh, pretty much the last half of the season, how loaded 3A North looks and uh, it's glaring out at you right now. I mean, you'd even take a look at the top 10 rankings. I mean, it's yeah. been the most stable I've ever seen class three ever from start to finish when you take a look at rankings. And of course, with the cut line shifting and pulling in Stillman Valley into the mix, um, that just adds another uh, bit to it. And if you look at what those projections are, you're staring at a Stillman Valley Byron rematch right there in round two. Um, and of course, you know, with where Prairie Central sits, I see Catholic, Reed Custer, you know, you're looking at another four or five matchup in the second round with Reed Custer and I see Catholic if it holds. So, um, and then of course, Princeton up there. So, I mean, we have the makings of some tough, tough games from the second round and then the potential of them in the quarters and a great semifinal as well, provided that the, the, the true top teams here in the three, a North uh, play out the way it's supposed to. Yeah, it is just, yeah. I mean, yeah, Mitch, we haven't really brought you in on this one, but look yeah, at no. on that 3A bracket. It is, yeah. it is stacked. Yeah, even with on the other side, you know, I've been really impressed with Mount Carmel this year. Um, uh, Williamsville coming in as a projected four seed, eight and one. That's a pretty, pretty power uh, team having a great year. Uh, really impressed with Tolono Unity as, as usually they have a, a nice season. So, um, yeah, as we've kind of talked about, whenever we, we talk about Princeton or any of the other three, a teams that we cover um, as much as I think that the one, a bracket is going to be pretty loaded. Uh, the three, a is maybe even more. So just seeing these names all in kind of a, a projection, you know, uh, or, or a mock bracket, so to speak. Um, the three, a could, uh, could hold King here as in terms of talent. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we have one more week of games before we get, all of the clarity here, but if you love this playoff talk, Kyle, we got the playoff preview show live at NUIC football on YouTube, Saturday, October 22nd, 7 p.m. As the IHSA is releasing the brackets, we will be breaking it down. So I, I tell everybody that if you're going to watch the IHSA broadcast, watch that on mute and then listen to us tell you about the teams that you care about. For the second year in a row, Kyle, I'm, I'm excited to head up to the land of the NUIC and uh, and talk some playoff football that night. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm stoked. I mean, I, obviously last year I thought we put out a very good production. We got a lot of uh, viewership on it, more so than I had anticipated. Um, and the responses from the show were even that much better greater than I had anticipated. So I'm very excited to see what we can uh, muster up this year. I feel like our, our coverage from uh, eight man to class three, a statewide is going to be unrivaled among all of the playoff shows that are going to be taking place throughout the state over the week, including the IHSAs. I think that, uh, you know, when you talk eight man to class three, a, the panel that we're going to have put together, definitely tries to drive to get the most information from throughout the state. Uh, we have a lot of connections uh, throughout the state that feed us a lot of information. Um, therefore, uh, it allows us to give us the best assessment on the teams. And, uh, you know, if you love small school football, 
our show is the one you want to tune into because I can guarantee you the Chicago ones, they're not going to talk much about on the eight man through class three A and whatever they do talk about. They're only going to talk about the perennial powers that they know. Outside of that, they don't have much information. We're the ones you want to listen to. You're exactly, exactly right. Uh, Mitch, I may have to uh, call in your assistance here to give me some, uh, you know, some team you know, preview capsules, some information. I, oh, yeah. I try to compile all my, uh, my news and notes and stats, but I, I may, uh, I may call you in off the bench to help out a little bit. Yeah. Ready to, uh, ready to assist in any way that we, uh, that we can. So yeah, looking right. forward to it. All right. Well, before we get to that show, we will, uh, we'll, inst- we'll have an instant reacts podcast on Friday. I don't, Mitch, I don't know if, if you want to jump on or if it'll be the guys from WQAD, but we'll, we'll have an instant yeah, reacts I- podcast for sure. No. Yeah. I should, I should be on Friday. That's no problem. So, um, yeah, looking forward to, to wrapping up the regular season. And uh, as, we, as we've always talked about, this is our, our favorite time of the year. So, uh, yeah. our final regular season instant reacts. And uh, then, then you guys are off on Saturday, ready to go. And, and nothing, nothing can stop Mitch Stormer. Not work, not travel, nothing. This was yeah. supposed to be your off week, and here you are. So, uh, yeah. Glad, yeah, it helps glad. again. It, it, it helps that I have no idea what time it is here or there. So, <laughs> Well, glad you could be here, Kyle. Once again, thank you for joining us. We'll be, uh, we'll be instantly reacting on Friday night and then man, we'll be breaking down brackets on uh, Saturday. I'm excited, man. This is the best time of year. Absolutely. It's Christmas in October. It doesn't get better. (laughs) That's right. That's right. All right, boys. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon. All right. See you. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, ViewFromWestPod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.